get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The puck in scores! His first game back in the NHL this year. Beats Nadalkovich 5-hole. And Walker has put the Blues on top by a score of 1-0. Walker into the circle. Shot score! Walker has two! It over to Scandella to Krug. Slap shot, they score! They score! And Walker deflects the puck in. He comes up from Springfield. And if you've got a hat, chuck it at your radio, Nathan Walker with his first ever hat trick in the National Hockey League. What a night last night from Enterprise Center as the Blues take down the Detroit Red Wings 6-2. Nathan Walker with the hat trick. Welcome everyone into BK and Ferrario here. Alex Ferrario along with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. We are here at Centene Community Ice Center in our E&B Granite Studios and we are going to start things off right away with the president of Hockey Operations, Doug Armstrong, kindly enough to join us here in our studios. Doug, thank you so much for stopping by and uh, congratulations. Another big victory for the team last night. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, certainly excited to uh, for the guys last night uh, playing a little bit shorthanded. It was great to see them pull that victory out. It was great to see some of the guys that uh, weren't here at the start of the year having a really good effect on our team. What has it been like for you as a manager the last two weeks trying to manage and just get a hold of the injuries, the COVID situations, the cap, the call-ups, and then also the nuances of the rules around emergency call-ups i was actually thinking about that last night driving home i i'm i know for a fact i'm handling this a lot better now than i would have 10 or 15 years ago can't get enough cards talk you've come to the right place back to more of the danny mac show with bk on 101 espn uh, i think you just learn over time just to roll with it and and try and stay active so we we planned for what would have happened today if we had injuries last night who was going to come how we're going to get them here what you know so we're, a little pre-planning is going into it now and you just understand that you you can't control things uh when when Cairo left the ice last night I said okay well now it looks like we're going to have to play <laughs> short again next game because our guy's going to come up for this guy and uh but you, you just roll with it and uh uh honestly it's a lot easier to roll with when you're winning <laughs> can you Explain to the fans, to the best of your ability here, and I know it's it's complicated, but just some of the reasoning behind the, the rules where you would have to play shorthanded for one game to get yourself into that zone of being able to call a guy up and 
help with the cap situation? I, I, I assume that when they did the CBA, they, they thought that they wanted to have a little bit of punishment and so teams weren't playing, playing gotcha. cute with the cap. Uh, and obviously the punishment is missing someone for a game. Uh, I think that with with a flat cap, with a pandemic, with things like that, I, I think teams are looking to survive, not to play cute with the cap. And uh, but you know when you do a CBA, I think you you probably plan for everything except a pandemic. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so you, you know we we just have to to play with the rules that are there. I, you know I, I was a little bit surprised that when you play short and you get an injury you have to play short again. So basically you have to play short every night until you go through a game without an injury, which didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Right. It, I, I assumed when they did the CBA, it made sense to the union and the league at that time. But now as, as you play things out in a situation like this, uh, it's, it, you know, it, it has bigger ramifications, but it is what it is. Uh, uh, I tried to, uh, you know, you, you, you get frustrated then you realize the frustration is only hurting yourself. Uh, I was losing sleep, not anybody else at the league, so I decided to just to roll with it. <laughs> Doug, I got to be honest. I got home last night from the game, and, and the movie The Hangover was on it. And the scene where Zach Galifianakis is co- trying to count cards at the table, and all of these dollar signs and numbers are flying through his head. I feel like that's what you and Ryan Miller are every single day, trying to figure out how to figure out this cap scenario with all of these back and forths. Yeah, it is, and and uh, again, there's just the nuances of. When you have players in LTI, how the bonuses uh, go into effect and how you can't go over a certain amount of money on their bonuses. And if it's not, you can have unlimited bonuses on your system when no one's in LTI. Uh, and, and those are things that you just sort of, I got to say, when it doesn't affect you, you, you know sort of the 30,000 foot, how the CBA works. But when it starts to affect you, you learn how, <laughs> how the nuances work. And and uh, I would say that I'm as close to being a CBA expert this year than I've ever, than I've ever been before. Where, where in your mind now are we or what kind of updates can you give us on that injury slash COVID front in terms of how close we are with some players? Uh, well, Bozak's 10 days is up tomorrow. Uh, but also then you have to you know, there's, there's being out of COVID and there's also being ready to play hockey. Right. And those, those are different things that, that for different people, um, you know, he's, he's dealing with things like his family, like he's got, he's got to get up to speed. So we don't want to put somebody in and then have them get hurt. Uh, so we got to make sure that they're ready to play. But uh, I think Bennington and Falk come off next Monday. Uh, obviously a goaltender might take a little longer than, than a skater just because of, the movement's much different. Uh, so we, we we want to get these guys back as quick as possible, but we don't want to get them back for a day and then lose them for weeks. So it, it's the, the catch-22 on what's the best way to proceed. But we want to likely go with caution. Uh, and, you know, you, each win allows you to be a little more cautious. Not that you would ever put players in a position to get injured, but you can take that extra layer of precaution when the guys do what they're doing right now is ripping off points against really good teams. How do you assess then, as we look at the team from that that bigger point of view, the five and zero start and still getting up today? Now twenty six games in, chasing Minnesota a, a little bit, and Colorado, you know, hasn't played a full schedule like all these other teams have had. But just the general position of where your team is as we approach the thirty game mark. Well, I, I would say that Colorado is is in my my opinion still the team to beat in our division uh they got off to some injuries right at the start as we know we caught them at the right time at the start of the year with with mckinnon out and uh taves out and different guys they're getting back and they're starting to roll uh they were 
predicted to be the number one team in the NHL for a reason, and they're starting to live up to that billing. I, I got to say, uh, uh, Minnesota, I thought was going to be good. I didn't think they would have this, the ability to push push out to this big of a lead this early. Um uh, so there's someone we got to put in our crosshairs, and we got to we got to find a way to catch them. Uh, so I, I, I'm impressed with our division. I think uh, Chicago got off to a very difficult start. They're playing more competitive hockey now. Uh, Nashville's a team that people didn't expect a lot from, uh, but when you have a proud and and they're they're not a young team either. They have experienced right. players, and they're you know when you have experience and you have pride. Uh, you seem to to be able to rise up, and I think that's what Nashville is doing now. So uh, I'm excited about where we're at. Our 5-0 and start gave us a little bit of a cushion to go through some tougher times. Um, actually, I read a, a, a tweet from you the other day about the number of times we've led into the third period. That and, one blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, glass half full, we are leading into the third period. The yep. glass half empty, I'll... I'll let you talk about when I'm gone. <laughs> that was going to be my follow-up. I'll change that next question then, Doug. <laughs> but, you know, so we're, we're playing good hockey for a, for a lot of a lot of games now. Uh, I think some of the things that uh, that caught my attention earlier in the year was even against Colorado in game one, we, were, we weren't able to close games out. Uh, I think it went, what did that game go for? four, one, or five. Yeah. Anyways, it got close, and it shouldn't have got close. And we've we've allowed third-period goals that didn't hurt us until they hurt you. And and I think even last night I was a little bit disappointed that the game's in, in play and Robbie Fabry gets a breakaway. Like, we, we have to find a way to eliminate those things. Uh, uh, you you want to score the proper way at that time of the game. You don't want to give anything up easy. Uh, then all of a sudden you're you're one bad call away from a power play, and then you shoot it over the glass, and it's a five on three. They score two goals. Like that's how managers think. You know what's right. going to happen? <laughs> and so you you just, we just got to continue to find a way to get tighter in third periods. Where do you see a hole that you would like to fill in a little bit, or or that you would like to see an area of the team improvement on the ice? Well, I would say it's it's closing out games. It's playing. Getting extremely comfortable being uncomfortable in one-goal games up, down, tied in the third period. I still think we, we, we seem to have too many self-inflicted wounds, uh, turn the puck over at the offensive, defensive blue line too often in critical times. Uh, but I'm also understanding of the fact that when you want to play a more up-tempo game, when you want to allow your skill to, to show itself, skill comes with risk. you know, And you have to turn a blind eye every once in a while. Uh, but it's the critical times of the games where you have to, we have to have a better understanding that it's not worth the risk, even if it works out. You know, the, the, the penalty is too severe of giving up a goal or doing something like that. So it's just getting comfortable with a new style of play, but also understanding that when you get into the primary or the, the difficult times of the year, which will be right after the Olympics through and then into the playoffs, hopefully, good teams make you pay for mistakes. And... Uh, if, if we don't, if we can clean that up now, we won't make them against uh, against the the teams as the games mean more. We got a couple more minutes with Doug Armstrong, president of hockey operations, who's with us here on BK and Ferrario. Chris Kerber, Alex Ferrario. Uh, Doug, you spoke last off season about how the team needed to decide what identity they wanted to go with because they were kind of in the in the, in the mix last year. Uh, do you see the identity shifting a little bit for this team of using that speed and skill with players like Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Scott Perunovic? Yeah, well, I, I I look at it now. The the alpha males offensively for us, quite honestly, are are Saad and Buchnevich and Kairu and Thomas, 
And I don't think anyone had those four as, as the, the lead horses uh, out of camp. And I think what that does is that that now primes the, the guys that are normal our previous lead horses to get up and running and compete with these guys for offensive ice time. But it also lets us know that the future, uh, th- there is some future here. And I talked to Shenner about that a while ago, that uh, when, you, when you sign a, a long-term commitment, you, a, you're doing it to take care of yourself, financial, all those other things. But you want to you wanna be part of a program that has some, some sustainability. And right now, I think with Cairo, with Thomas, with Saad, with Booch, with with Prunovich coming, I think Mikola has played good. Not not that these guys are going to the Hall of Fame or anything, but they're going to allow us to stay competitive. And we talk to ownership like we've had a nice twelve year run. Our goal is to take it to fifteen. Then when you get to fifteen, you take it to eighteen. You know, it sometimes uh, it doesn't last forever, but. Uh, I'm not going to live forever either, so I just want to last for a while. <laughs> so you're planning your life insurance policy based on based CBA on contracts and how that works. I understand how that goes. Um, but to, to that end, do you? I, I felt going into this season when you have when you built a team as deep as this team is and can be when fully healthy. One of the real keys to the success is going to be will the different players be able to accept the roles that develop over the course of a season because of things, as you just said, the continued growth of Cairo, Thomas, Saad leading the team and goal, that kind of thing. Do you feel that that is still a work in progress? Well, I think one of the things or the main thing that derails a deep team is ego. That's because uh, everybody wants to have depth, but depth comes with shared ice time. Shared ice time comes with shared power play time. It comes with shared time killing games, uh, you know, yep. and it's it's difficult. And, and we saw that, uh, you know, I, I look back to when Tarasenko and Schwartz were trying to elbow their way into the group and, and everybody welcomed them just on somebody else's uh, <laughs> ice time. And, and I really think now it's it's, the, the, the vision that we can have for our, for our, our veteran players to accept these guys and allow them to grow, it's only going to make their jobs easier. And I think they've done a really good job at it. And that's why I think that we, I believe we're a tight group because the guys are excited with with uh, what what Kyrie's been able to do with the start there and what Robert's been able to do, uh, the new guys coming in and then. And then the depth, I think everyone's excited when a guy like Walker comes up and does what he's doing. Everyone's excited when a guy like Brownie comes up and does what they're doing. But you have to understand that the guys who are out are also taking notice what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. and, and they want to get back in because they know, they know this, is a, this is a business. And uh, that old saying, the king is dead, long live the king. Like, at the end of the day, we're only going to have 23 players, and these guys are fighting to be one of the 23. In general, too, how, how do you look at your coaching staff and how they have handled uh, the adversity as long as, along with some of the changes over the first 26 games? Yeah, I think uh, not as much the adversity as, as the ability to adapt to the personnel of, of how we need to play and what we need to play like uh, or, or what our, how, how we constructed the team was going to be different than how we played in the past and, and they've done a really good job of probably a better job than I have of turning a blind eye to the odd turnover, uh, you know, you, right. uh, and, and I, I've, I'm really excited to work with these guys. I think that they've done a really good job. I think our power play has been very good. Our penalty kill has shown good flashes, but still a very positive for us. Um, you know, we probably give up more scoring chances that we have in the past because we're gaining more scoring chances. Also, I think there's a, uh, a give and a take and our, our goal now is to, 
keep the scoring chances coming and, and eliminate some of them. But also, it's it's the style of defenseman that we have. Um, Right now we have we have Krug and, and Perunovic playing every night. Both players under six foot uh, by more than a millimeter or two. So <laughs> it's it's just a different. I've style lived of my play. life that way. I understand. <laughs> I've never seen the front of a line. <laughs> it, it, it is definitely a chance, Doug. Th- thanks for coming on and and, and continue to go with it. Uh, happy holidays to you, and uh, we'll, we'll keep the fun rolling. Thank you, well, guys. Thanks for having me on, and best of uh, holidays to everybody. And it's great to see you in person and not on Zoom, too, Doug. Yeah, this is very nice. Appreciate like that. It looks, <laughs> it's actually flesh. It's, yeah, it's, it's 3D. 3D. It's 3D. It's 3D with this. Doug Armstrong, president of Hockey Operations. Appreciate his time. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk some more blues next here on BK and Ferrari on 101 ESPN. We're back to more exclusive blues talk. 101 ESPN is live from the Centene Community Ice Center. Brought to you by Bud Light and E&B Granite. Bernie Federko's only choice for granite countertops, cabinets, and flooring. Well, I would say it's, it's closing out games. It's playing, get, getting extremely comfortable, being uncomfortable in one-goal games, up, down, tied in the third period. I still think we, we, we seem to have too many self-inflicted wounds, uh, turn the puck over at the offensive, defensive blue line too often in critical times. Uh, but I'm also understanding of the fact that when you want to play a more up-tempo game, when you want to allow your skill to, to show itself, skill comes with risk, you know, and you have to turn a blind eye every once in a while. It's the critical times of the games where you have to, we have to have a better understanding that it's not worth the risk, even if it works out. That's president of Hockey Operations, Doug Armstrong, who was just on with myself and Chris Kirby. You can check it out after the show on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com. And Kerb's sitting in for BK. It's BK and Ferrari here from the Centene Community Ice Center. Kerb's a great interview with Doug Armstrong there. So much to get into. But that was the, the first thing that really stuck out to me when you talk about this team that has done more than just kept their head above water. They've picked up... Four points in their last two games being shorthanded, both of those, seven of their last ten. But when you hear Doug talk there, there's one area that he looks at, and it is closing out the games. And he's right. It does go back to that Colorado Avalanche game, the Arizona Coyotes game at the beginning of the season. They're up 5-1, 7-1, and they allow the team to get back into the hockey game. And and that that has happened. I also think and there were so many different angles that we could try to get into with him, but we, we had to pick and choose only some of them. But I, I also think... The trend, Alex, that happened in the second periods became a real issue. They they were either losing ground on the game or losing momentum in the game throughout the second period. There was a, a stretch of eight straight second periods where the Blues did not outscore the opponent. And that means the other team was and, – and the other team did score in, in most of those. So it, to me, it was one of those where they really – they, they, they were losing that. I don't think it's a coincidence that over the last five second periods – They've won, I think, four of the five yeah. tied last night, right? So, mm-hmm. to me, that that is set up for better third periods in there. I don't know that they've got the defensive horses right now to accomplish what Doug wants to accomplish. If they do have the defensive horses, they the horses they have right now don't have enough experience. The, the, we have some horses that are still going to get caught on the rail out of the gate if they end up drawing the inside post. Yeah, and I think that if it's going to take some time. Now, what you're seeing is a team that has the offensive ability to outscore some of those mistakes. 
you're seeing, and we'll talk more about the coaching staff later, you're seeing a coaching staff that is learning how to adjust some of their coaching to a slightly different style. And you're also just heard a general manager that has, he actually said this during that interview, he, he, he isn't as forgiving maybe as he should be on some of the scoring chances against because that is the trade-off to that. So I, I immediately think of teams like Colorado, like Las Vegas, like Tampa, and, and I'd even say Washington. Teams that have had high-end skill, and, and let's, let's even go back to the, to the, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins win in the back-to-back cup. Probably more high-end offensive skill than the Blues have when they won the Cup. The Blues were, were still a team built on much more depth and, and spread out. But the Blues were, were more solid defensively. Those other teams have done it with the high-end skill, but they, they still have had to learn how to do that defensively. And So it may mean that you're going to need more of a defensive effort out of your bottom six forwards because your top six are rolling offensively. Well, we've got a group of bottom six that like to store because our bottom six is made out of guys that are used to playing in the top six. Right. And that's the acceptance of the role thing. So this is, I think that what you summarize all that up is saying the personality of this team is still shaping up. Yeah. And, and they're doing so while staying competitive and successful. The, 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 this, that win last night, the, these wins, the points over the Florida teams, is shorthanded and with the players in and out of the lineup have just been nothing short of spectacular. Yeah, I said on post game last night that it's going to be really hard to top what they did against the Florida Panthers as that being the biggest win of the season to this point. But I said the win that they had yesterday against Detroit would probably be second in my category. The, to me, to, to me, it's actually the Florida win. Uh, I don't think, I don't think the Blues, the Blues maybe win last night's game. Anyway, I don't know that they win it the way they did, not for without the, the Florida game, the second and third period of the Florida games. Great point. And and so again, how learning how to win, and as Doug said, learning how to close out a game. The the other line he used, which is really important, coaches use this all the time. Players understand it and use it too. How comfortable do they get in uncomfortable situations? You know, it, it's the old never let them see you sweat. It, how calm are you in that one goal game? Are you, instead of pinching down the wall with seven minutes to go, are you better off just making sure nobody gets behind you as a defenseman? And maybe they come at you, but they come at you, and you've got the backside pressure, you can close the gaps, and and, and all that plays a role in there. And because you're still dealing with youth in Thomas, youth in Cairo, I asked Jordan Cairo the question in Dallas. I said, what, what, what do you what do you know now that you didn't know even two years ago? He goes, boy, the little details matter. Hmm. He goes, you, I, you could do certain things at junior hockey and, and that you can't do here, and it costs you a goal. Okay, well, it, it took a ton, some time to get get that into his head for him to accept and understand that. And, and then you've got Perunovic on the back end. There was Jake Wallman, mm-hmm. didn't have a, a ton of experience there on that end of it, and Nico Mikola. And you want the size, because you've got Perunovic and crew, you need the size of Mikola. And you heard Mike Van Ryan talk about his aggressiveness in our interview with him last night. And in doing that, you're still going to make mistakes. You're going to go for that hit. The guy's going to slinky right off you. And next thing you know, you're chasing, and they've got a two-on-one, and the defenseman expected you, the other demon expected you to be there. Those are growing pains. And that's what you are seeing, I think, with this team. But that stat still, I mean, it hasn't changed. It's yep. only been two games all year. You haven't had the leader been tied in the third period, and you go, whoa. Yeah. That means you have been in every single game. And in the eight losses, I'm sorry, in the 12 losses combined between the eight regulation and four overtime mm-hmm. losses, you have been tied 
at least tied in the third period in the final 10 minutes with under 10 minutes to go in, in, in seven of them. Mm-hmm. Seven of 12. You're right there. Yeah. That's the fine line of winning those one-goal games, not making a mistake, and turning it around. Well, and the final one I wanted to get to before we break, um, Doug Armstrong also had something to say about the transitioning right now because you're seeing the younger guys take a bigger role. Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Scott Perunovich. Here's what Doug had to say about that. Well, I think one of the things or the main thing that derails a deep team is ego. That's because uh, everybody wants to have depth, but depth comes with shared ice time. Shared ice time comes with shared power play time. It comes with shared time killing games, uh, you know, yep. and it's it's difficult. The, the the vision that we can have for our, for our, our veteran players to accept these guys and allow them to grow, it's only going to make their jobs easier. And I think they've done a really good job at it. I love the way he put that, Curbs, because he talks about how, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, Braden Chen, these have been the workhorses over the last three to five years for this Blues team. Now they're seeing these other players do it, which tells them, hey, now we have the opportunity to jump in on this. I think three players have to lead in that area, in my opinion. Tyler Bozak, Braden Chen, Vladimir Tarasenko. Vladimir Tarasenko... He's going to want as much ice time as he can to prove his shoulder's good, everything's good. And, you know, we, we haven't heard any update. Who knows what, what's going on on that trade request front or, or have you. But he's going to always want him to be prove himself. And if he ends up for a stretch of two or three games, because a couple of the lines or other people are going, if he ends up in a stretch of two or three games getting third-line minutes, I, that's, that, that, that could, that, that's a hard thing to deal with if you're that player. Tyler Bozak, a veteran player, signed to a one-way deal. Well, if he, he's going to want a certain amount of ice time to continue to earn that one-way that that, that one-year contract again, yeah, and, and keep going. So it might, might be hard to do that if you're only getting ten minutes in a game here or there. But he's got the veteran ability to win key face-offs. Still, you know, second to Ryan O'Reilly as your, I think, your best centerman. Although Robert Thomas has been, he's been far, up there. He's been great this year. It's been Robert Thomas's best year on the face-off dot. And then, to me, the third one is Braden Shen. You've got a long-term contract. You've got five years left on the contract. A great year isn't going to get you more money this year. Um, a bad year isn't going to get you less money. So, to me, there's a guy that could play the ultimate role of what's needed to win. And, and you and I, we talked about this at the very beginning of the season a lot. If guys can learn to accept the roles that are going to be needed, which includes understanding that for us to be a faster, creative team offensively, the Thomases and the Kairos have to elevate their game. You knew we were going to be better on the left wing with Butchnevich and with, with Saad because you're just getting veteran consistency that you didn't get with Blay and Sanford. That if guys can accept that role, this team is going to go. And, and and really get on uh, on a run. It's not an easy thing, and I totally understand athletes kind of have a hard time accepting that, but when you look at the situation, you know, you, people have talked about it for two years ad nauseum now. There, there, there was no more an important, impactful line than Steen's line mm-hmm. in that 2019 run. Someone's got to play that role right now. Let's just uh, get back into that in just a bit because after watching what they did last night and having players in their minors step up like Nathan Walker, Logan Brown, uh, it really made me wonder how high the ceiling can be for this Blues team when they are healthy. We'll get into that. we got questions and answers coming up in 15 minutes. Chris Kerber sitting in for BK. Tanner Hendrickson back in our studios. Alex Ferrario with you here at the E&B Granite Studios at Centene Community Ice Center. We're back after this here on 101 ESPN. 
More Blues Talk, more often. 101 ESPN is live from the Centene Community Ice Center. Brought to you by Bud Light and E&B Granite. Bernie Federko's only choice for granite countertops, cabinets, and flooring. Six to two, the final six seconds tick off and you can bring out the Zamboni. A hat trick for Nathan Walker. A terrific game in net for Charlie Lindgren. The Springfield call-ups have made all the difference tonight. And the St. Louis Blues get the six to two win over the Detroit Red Wings. And are now nine, three and one at home and 14, eight and four overall. Now the points continue to pile up from Enterprise Center as that's a six-game win streak on home ice for the Blues. With the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, filling in for BK today. I'm Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendrickson with us. We are here at the ENB Granite Studios at Centene Community Ice Center. And, Kurtz, we talked about how much uh, of an energy or a spark plug Nathan Walker is. And I'm, I was just watching a video that the Blues put out on Twitter. After the game, he walks into the locker room. And you could tell how much the, the team is close with Nathan Walker because Robert Bortuzzo hands out the game puck and he acts like he's going to somebody else. And then he runs back over to Nathan Walker and they have a, a hell of a time with it. Those are the videos that I always look forward to. And you see him for other teams. But for some reason, it just speaks differently when you see them with the Blues when you have these guys from Springfield. You know, over the years, I think Cardinal fans can relate to certain players that would get called up and maybe go on a hot streak. Joe McEwing is, is one that, that comes to mind and uh, and become huge favorites in the clubhouse. Yeah. And there has been something over the last couple of years about Nathan Walker that has put him into that category. When we talked to Charlie Lindgren right after the game last night, he mentioned how unbelievable of a teammate and a leader he has been in Springfield. I talked to Robert Thomas after last night's game. Robert Thomas said, I am so happy for him. It couldn't have happened to a better guy. When you hear guys like that say things, you know that you've got something special with an individual that the players like to play for. And you need that. You've got to have some some players that that – that do that for you. Yeah. And and Walker is one of those guys. That's why I honestly it wouldn't have surprised as tight as this blues roster was, he's on a two way. You're gonna protect your assets. So you knew he was gonna go down. But I, I think I mean, look, I mean, okay, first off, earns himself a call up maybe before a Mackenzie McEachern just because of a salary situation. Mm-hmm. That 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 we all know the cap thing, but if you just look at how he plays the game and what he brings to the game, and that third goal, the hat trick goal, yeah, that is, was the best is, one. Is the more and and frankly, his best chance would have been for the fourth goal, right? And he whiffed on it in the slot. But as he took that puck out of the corner, he, you you knew he was going to drive to the net. And since there was already somebody else there, he he came out just a little bit further, and that made that deflection almost impossible to handle for Thomas Grice. He he that's he he knows exactly what he needs to do to play this style of hockey. Yeah. And he will go in. You noticed a couple times in front of the net he was mucking it up a little bit, you know, causing a little yeah. junk. So that's the team needs a little bit of that flair and backbone. And you don't have to be six foot seven to do it. You know, you could you could be five foot seven and from Australia and still, you know, <laughs> you know, put a couple of shrimp on the Barbie and, and go to town on them. And I, I, it was just awesome. It's awesome to see the teammates respond. to Yeah, it. well, it, it got me wondering last night and Tanner and I were texting back and forth during the game. 
So you have nine guys out of the lineup, and you've recalled Nathan Walker. You've recalled Dakota Joshua, Logan Brown. These guys have had impacts in every single game that they've been a part of this team. Last night was the seventh straight game that you have either played down a skater, 11 forwards and 7 D-men, or 11 forwards and 10 D-men, or whatever, whatever it looked like. You've been, yep. you've been short a full roster. You've picked up seven out of a possible ten points in the last five. And on top of it, in those seven-game stretches where you've been shorthanded, you've scored 19 goals. I mean, that's nearly three goals per game. It, it really does make me wonder, Curbs, what the ceiling looks like when this team is fully healthy. I, my, my stance on this, my feeling on this hasn't changed since day one. I don't know when fully healthy, from a forward standpoint, I don't think there's a deeper team in the National Hockey League. And while they may not have the... Nathan McKinnon, although we just we don't know that. I mean, I would, would yeah. I don't with Jordan Cairo and and Robert Thomas. I don't know where we're going to see the points. I believe that one of those two guys could become our first eighty-point player, you know, or point a game eighty-two point player since Pavel Dimitra in 03. I, I think there's really the possibility. Now you got to stay healthy. You got to have, have some ability to to go with it. But this is just a team that's bounced. I was talking to Paul Wood, who's been a longtime radio analyst for the. Detroit Red Wings last night. And he said, wow, what a hockey team. And I'm sitting there thinking, we don't have a fourth line. And he's saying, <laughs> he says, he says, wow, what a hockey team. And, and one of the, one of the reasons that he did, he goes, I looked at your roster. He goes, you had 21 players that have a point right now. He goes, well, 22 with Matt Walker. And, and he goes, I mean, it's Nathan just a, Walker. A, a, oh, geez. I, hey, you oh, didn't man. do Sean there. You didn't do Sean there Matt either. Walker. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I really wish his last name was different. I got to be honest with you; it has crossed me up big time. Um, I, I just—it's it, just that deep. So, yeah. What the ceiling? The ceiling for this team is going to come in. Can you start to close out those games and win those games? But I look. Colorado is going to be the, the cream of the crop. But I think when healthy, the Blues can can beat anybody in this league. So, so is it far fetched for me to say, Curbs? Because Colorado, right now, through twenty three games, they have scored the most goals in the National Hockey League and have scored scored the most goals per game in the National Hockey League. They're averaging about four point two six per game. The Blues right now are seventh with three point three eight. If you put a full roster in there, is it far fetched to say that the Blues are at least right there with Colorado by the end of the season in goals per game? I, I I think from a depth standpoint, I think they're going to be. I, I would expect Colorado to have a higher average, but I think the Blues will be right there. Yeah, and you're doing this right now with David Perron not in the lineup. You're doing this with Ryan O'Reilly only having four goals on the season. Braden Shen I think only has four. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're doing this as Doug said, without those other guys really piling in the way you're used to seeing them pile in. So yes, I I do believe that and and. And especially, and I think the big key for the Blues has been the power play. Yeah. Uh, this becomes a bigger issue if that power play starts to dry up. And you will go through some dry spells without a doubt on that power play. But, yeah, they've, they've got the depth that's somewhere along the lines. And, and the flip side is, too, you're not playing Colorado seven times. Right. You're not playing Las Vegas seven times. So, let's see, 14 of your games this year are not between Colorado and Las Vegas. You're going to get the two against Detroit. You're going to get the two, you know, against Buffalo. You're going to get the two the, against uh Oh, well, you get the, two the Arizona Coyotes. Montreal Saturday is the first Montreal one. Montreal on Saturday, those kind of things. So uh, you're going to have a different 
number of games where you're going to be able yeah. to pile up some points if you handle it well. We're going to come up and talk with Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender and NHL, an NHL analyst for Daily Faceoff. He's coming up in 15 minutes or so. But coming Why up- does he want to take checking out of the game? It's going to be a question you're going to throw at him because uh, Jacob Truba. I'm, I'm, I'm lobbing that at Jacob Truba's been in the news. I saw his tweet. I saw his tweet this morning because people are giving him some grief for his stance on that. So this one, this one's going to be a fun. We're one. We're going to have some fun with Mike McKenna coming up in 15 minutes. But coming up next, send your questions to us. Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Questions and answers next year on BK and Ferrario on one hundred and one ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. You send some questions, we'll answer them here on BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson, Alex Ferrario, voice of the blues, Chris Kerber in for BK and uh, while we get the text in, Curbs, you said you had one for me. Okay, did you see uh, during the ACC championship game on Saturday the, the fake slide? Yeah. Did you the see that play? Okay, the, mm-hmm. the fake slide from Pitts, Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. So for, for those that didn't see it, it's a 0-0 game, and he almost kind of hesitates and looks like he's going to do a quarterback slide. So the defenders kind of stop. He doesn't slide, and he runs it in for a touchdown. Okay, so the NCAA – has come out and said, starting now, like not, we're not even waiting for the next, starting now, you can't do that. It's up to the officials to call the, the quarterback down there. You're not allowed to f- almost kind of look like you're going to play fake it, yeah. Here's a question for you. If you go back and you watch that, that play, will a quarterback that says, that's maybe trying to make a move, hesitates, leans one way, comes back the other way to make a move and stay on his feet and try to make a play? Will it want a quarterback at some point in time doing that be whistled the play dead for a fake slide? So trying to deke the defender? So, try, so will, will, will not a, fake slide. Basically, great way to phrase it. Will a will a will a deekery move by a quarterback at some point fool one of the officials on the field and they're gonna whistle it dead because they think he did a fake slide? I guess it depends on how the deke looks. Because if if you lean backwards like you're going to slide, because that's where it was with Pickett, he leaned back to make it look like I'm going down for a baseball slide. It was oh, it was clear a fake slide. Oh yeah, but can you imagine? Oh, it, it, here's the thing. To answer your question, it will happen because some official is going to take exception to it and say, "Oh, that's a flag," regardless if it is, and it's going to become the is it a catch rule? Is it a hit rule? Tuck rule? Is it a tuck rule? Exactly. Is the it a rule. football move? Yeah, that a hundred percent will happen at some so point. So, could you? I mean, could you imagine one of the college football playoff games coming up with as mobile as these quarterbacks are, and and how it if. A quarterback trying to make a move to maybe gain the extra three yards or something like that to get the first down in one of these college football playoff games and play is whistled dead because the official determined it is they thought he was going to go for a fake slide. Oh, yeah. And then the guy, yeah, that that will totally happen. It's going to have to be immediately reviewable in my point. Like, that's got to be one you got to throw a replay. One of the flags that you got to be the coach's challenge with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Because in in real time, I could totally understand somebody messing that up. Yeah, well, and you can understand somebody getting hurt with it, too, and that's why they're obviously making it uh, one of the rules. T-Bone, what do we got on the air coverage service text line? From the 314, guys, I'm wondering if Logan Brown, Nathan Walker, and Dakota Joshua continue to play well, is there a chance that they may stay with the team when they are healthy? And if so, whose spot would they take? Right now, I don't think there is. I think that if this team gets healthy, 
because of the type of the, the players that we're talking about of, of a James Neal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe potentially a Clem Costin because yeah. Costin could be sent down, you know, to, to the minor leagues. Maybe him, Tanner, but I I don't think so. I think this is about protecting your depth. You pat him on the back, you say, thanks for what you did. You're on the radar. Go back down there and, and keep playing well and win there. And then when an opportunity comes, you'll get another call. How now, does I that do, work with emergency loan, though, Curbs? Because since they're on emergency, are they forced to the, be sent back the down? Moment, the moment one guy is available, they have to go back down. So they're down. forced to go and, back and, down. And met, yeah. yeah. So anybody that's on a call-up from an, on an emergency call-up mm-hmm. immediately has to go back down. So if David gotcha. Perron, who's skating again today, if David Perron was out there and able to play tomorrow, Walker has to go down. So when Bennington comes back since... Lindgren's on emergency loan. Well, unless do we have two, do we have? I, I got to double check, make sure. Well, Walker, Joshua, and Brown are all on emergency okay, loan. Okay, so so one of those two, Joshua, one of those two, Joshua or Walker would have to, to go, to go down. down. And yes. then is that the same with Lindgren? It's positional. But what I'm saying is when Bennington comes back, because Lindgren's emergency loan, Gillies, they signed to a contract. Does that mean Lindgren yes. goes down and Gillies is up yes, here as the backup? Yes, now they could turn around and they could send him down off the emergency and, and then, then bring call up him another back one. up because you, you yeah. get yourself out of that scenario. Now, I will say to, to that point, that question, the, the one thing that's intriguing about it is does it open your eyes to some potential moves as certain other teams are looking to make a deal? Yeah. Because you, you, you might view your depth differently. So yeah. that, that's that's the intriguing Interesting part. with it. Chris Kerber, Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Alex Ferrario. Appreciate the text. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of the coaching conversation because Craig Berube right now, I feel like we should start the conversation of the Jack Adams Award, but we all know me. I get antsy with these topics, but we'll get Curbs' thoughts on that. But coming up next, Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender, analyst for Daily Faceoff. He's going to join us here on 101 ESPN. We're back to more exclusive Blues Talk. 101 ESPN is live from the Centene Community Ice Center. Brought to you by Bud Light and E&B Granite. Bernie Federko's only choice for granite countertops, cabinets, and flooring. Hey, and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendricks, and Chris Kerber in for BK today as we are at the E&B Granite Studios here at the Centene Community Ice Center. Blues practice wrapping up just a, a bit ago. Clem Costin, James Neal, those guys are on the ice. They've been skating the last couple of days. David Perron skating once again today, so great news to see there. We'll uh, give you an update and keep you posted of what Craig Bruby has to say after practice uh, later on this afternoon. But now we get our weekly hit. Now, we started a weekly hit with Mike McKenna because, frankly, he's just awesome. He had a great hit with us last week, and BK and I wanted more of Mike McKenna. But the problem, Curbs, is we're trying to come up with a segment name for Mike McKenna. BK threw out Mike's hot, and I said, man, that might make Mike a little uncomfortable coming off the air, you know, just saying Mike's hot when he comes on the air, right? Don't check me, bro. It's <laughs> a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Mike, which one did I'm, you like? I'm, I'm I think, uh, Kurt, I think you might be, might be hinting at something that I've been talking about recently on Twitter. I'm not against hitting in the NHL, I promise. But we will have to come up. We will have to come up with a good segment name. Maybe, maybe some fans out there will have some suggestions. I don't know. We could go in house and think about our friends over at the Riz Show, people that do the naming for Craigslist Freak, Craigslist Freak of the Week. Maybe they can do some magic on this segment. We're asking for a little help here. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some grief. It's a fantastic topic, and and let's. Let's get into that with, 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 with you here. So we've seen over the last couple of days Jacob Truba throw some hits that have been injury-causing. And 
you saw Jujar Kara have to be stretched off the ice, uh, and, and then we saw the hit on Nathan McKinnon. And honestly, both hits in my book were clean, and apparently the league agrees because there's no mm-hmm. supplementary discipline over that. But you uh, you have a, a different take on, on whether or not the hit should have happened clean or not, Mike. So explain, explain to everybody where you're coming from on that. Yeah, Curbs, you're exactly right. Like these are clean hits by the definition of the rule book uh, that Jacob Truba has laid. Nathan McKinnon's received one. Jujar Kara for the Chicago Blackhawks, of course, had to go to the hospital, uh, suffering brain trauma from a hit where he's hit hard, hits his head on the ice. And really, the long and the short of it to me is that Truba has decided to laser guys with hits in open ice when he knows they're in a really vulnerable position with their head down and not momentary, you know, they're not momentary instances. Kara's got his head down for a little while because he's looking for the puck. It's been passed into his feet. And I think you're asking an awful lot to say that players need to have their head up at all times. And I understand it, man. I went through all the hitting camps as a kid. I know I was a goalie, but I still went through the hitting camps. I played the game at the highest level. I know what it's like to have a puck come at you quickly. Players will have their head down at times on the ice because they have to look at the puck. And those are the moments where I think that the person laying the hit needs to use judgment. You can't hit somebody from behind because they can't defend themselves. That's what it says in the rule book. And I think it's a similar situation when somebody has their head down that you just can't bury that person. That's where the really serious injuries can happen. I mean, if Kara's in the, imagine if Kara's helmet pops off and he hits his head on the ice. He could be dead, you know, and I've, I've just had too many friends suffer big-time injuries from this way. Uh, it makes me nervous. I'd like to see more onus on the person laying the hit to make sure that the person receiving it at least has an opportunity to defend themselves. I do not want to take it hitting out of hockey whatsoever. I just think it's there to separate the man from the puck, not to try to take their head off. So the snag for me, Mike, is the rules – I understand the safety of the rules and why they're in place, and I think they're doing a really good job of legislating that head with a point of contact, and it's not going to completely avoid head contact because you could put a you could put a, a shoulder into a sternum and you could still have head contact just with the way the body reacts to it. I, I think I think the hits along the boards are really important, but over the years, the way this is legislated, because of the way you, for example, you're describing it, what I think it has also done is it has taken the onus away from the puck handlers and away from the players. It's taken the onus off of them just to be aware on the ice and be smart in a game where the game has to remain physical. It is part of what hockey is. And, I mean, I've seen preseason games. I've seen, heck, we saw a regular season game for a while, that game in Detroit that we had before Thanksgiving was just boring as all get out because nobody's even bumping. I think the Blues had were charted with three hits and Detroit had five or something like that. Yeah. So, I, yeah, maybe there is a line somewhere, but the way that they're legislating this stuff now, it's actually, I think, making guys more unsafe because guys are starting to be less aware of where they are on the ice, one, and two, who they're on the ice against. Yeah, and there's, well, there's such, there's such an emphasis on skill now, Curbs, and we want to see goals, and we want to see the greatest players in the game have the puck on their stick and do magical things with it. And I totally agree where you're coming from. This is a physical game, man. That is an element of hockey we cannot get rid of. And that's like I say, I don't want hitting out of it. But I really look at these specific instances that have become increasingly rare. Okay, like these don't happen all the time. And it's that rare hit, it's that rare player who's still willing to step up and make that hit. 
and, and there's ways to defend against that. You can go for the puck in those scenarios. And every old schooler on earth is really mad at me over this. And I'll gladly <laughs> eat that because, hey, man, I, this is an open discussion. We all have opinions for it. Mine's apparently not popular with a lot of people, and that's fine. Um, but I do think that we've got, you know, I don't think players are any, like, terribly less aware. I see where you're coming from, though, Curbs. They are much more willing to drive middle ice and not protect themselves because a lot of these open ice hits don't happen any longer, and that's why it's so surprising when you get lasered by Jacob Truba. Uh, but there aren't many players left doing it, and that's where I think that these hits every couple games, every 10, 20, whatever it is, I'm not sure we can find a way to massage it that it's just a little bit safer. That's, so, that's my question for it. So I, I looked at that. Uh, I watched the, the Jujar Kara hit the hit on Jujar Carey, and, you know, th- there were a couple of really questionable hits when the Blues played the Blackhawks that uh, were, were borderline along the boards, One and, and one of them was from Jujar Carey, and he's not a guy that's afraid to make those hits in the middle of the ice, too, and it's unusual mm-hmm. for a guy like that to be one of the guys that gets that gets caught. I then look at the Nathan McKinnon one as an example, and, and I hear what you're saying. You go for the puck, and the first thing that comes to my mind is, is yeah, four different players went for the puck, and then they just got posterized by, uh, <laughs> you know, by by Connor McDavid right on, on a goal of the year. And if and if you're coming off the wall like Nathan McKinnon is, and you're going to cut to the dot, knowing the skill he has, the cutback ability. If you're that defenseman and you just kind of instead of take the body, you just try to start jamming that puck, and he beats you to it you're going to lose half your weight and uh, butt chewing from the coach when you get to the bench. So that's, I, it, it's, it, it, to me, and, I, and I'll, I'll relate it to one more for you, Mike, and get your thoughts on this one. I actually think that the three or four trips we've seen and slew foots from P.K. Subban this year mm. have been far more egregious than what we saw from Jacob Truba. In, in the, and here's why. Those guys cutting to the middle of the ice with their head down, you, you, this, this has been taught from day one in hockey, and you got to be aware of where you are on the ice. Boy, that other stuff is from behind getting your foot kicked out of you. And to me, those are far more egregious than, than the Truba hits, even though the Truba hits have, have a larger impact in terms of the, you know, the eek factor. Well, I'm just shocked that Subban hasn't received more discipline for those curves because I totally agree with you. And what what's frustrating is that Subban is not trying to spoof with people, but the way he plays is causing it, and you have to change. Because whether he's trying to or not, he is slew footing people. And he's going to hurt somebody doing it. If he, I mean, he already did. Ryan Reeves got him earlier in the year, you know, clipped him early in the season, and that does need to change 100%. I agree with that. Um, but I do think that that onus, like, coming through the middle, man, we've all heard that. Keep your head up. You've got to be looking for it. You've got to go. hard, but you've got to be aware it's all true. And listen, Truba, the way he hit, 100% is how you're taught. Shoulder down. He didn't elbow anybody. You know, but the point for me is that once again, even if he drives through the chest, the violent nature of that hit, the way the head snaps, it leads to head trauma. And that's what concerns me. That's what scares me about it. Maybe I have a, maybe I'm just too cautious. Maybe I'm soft. I'll take it on this one. Um, because, again, Truba is making clean hits. They are clean by the rule book. But, boy, if he's off by three, four inches, he's making head contact. He has been previously suspended once in his career for it. That could happen. Teams don't like it, man. Teams are going and they're fighting him every time this happens because they don't think that hit's kosher.
You know, we're talking with Mike McKenna, a couple more minutes with the former NHL goaltender and analyst for Daily Faceoff here on BK and Ferrario. Uh, Mike, I, I am curious, and I know you spent time in the American Hockey League. Charlie Lindgren spent time in the American Hockey League. I don't think you guys ever crossed paths in terms of playing on the same team. Uh, but what did you know about him? And we talked last week about Ville Husso getting the opportunity as a backup goaltender. Uh, you talk about another guy who uh, maybe expected to be in the AHL all season getting an NHL opportunity. Well, Charlie Lindgren's had three years' worth of NHL one-ways under his belt with the Montreal Canadiens and played some good hockey for them, but couldn't sustain it over the long haul. And what's interesting is when he went back to the American Hockey League within the Canadiens organization, that's when he didn't have his best numbers. But I will say this. The Canadiens' affiliate in Laval has been really bad for a few years, especially defensively, okay, defensively. And I think Charlie Lindgren bore the brunt of that often. I mean, this is a guy who came in and was a really hot shot prospect for the Canadians. I remember playing against him in the Calder Cup playoffs of the American Hockey League, and Blues goalie coach Dave Alexander has an intimate knowledge of Charlie Lindgren from that as well because Dave was our goalie coach with the Syracuse Crunch. And Lindgren at that time had really good game feel. He had the ability to steal games based on his skill set. Uh, but he still needed to work on things. Technically, he was kind of, you know, one-sided. Uh, he'd, he'd have left knee down, right knee up. He, he'd struggle moving to his blocker side. And that seems to be improved now. I watched him last night, you know, and his patience on his edges was much better. It looked like the Red Wings were targeting high blocker. He's managing to keep his shoulders nice and high, uh, playing very between his posts. His game looks cleaner. He looks like a, more mature, a mature goaltender. Uh, and I think the Canadians just frankly had prospects moving in that were younger, that were more attractive from their draft status, and it pushed him out. So I'm not surprised. You look at how he played in the American Hockey League so far this year. He's been on. He's been lights out for the Thunderbirds, eight one and one. And you know what I really loved about it though, guys. I remember one of his availabilities. He said, "Listen, there's a couple of other birds here." He's talking about other Thunderbirds in in St. Louis. Okay, well. How about his teammate Nathan Walker with a hat trick, you know, playing for the big club? So I, I feel that sense of continuity within the organization, and to me that's exciting. So, Mike, uh, before we wrap up with you, I got a couple on our text line. They never fail with this one. Minutes with McKenna, McKenna's moments in the crease, or how about this one? Stick happens. Stick happens. Stick happens. Moments, yeah. Kind of Those would all stick work. I like them all, Mike, man. Right? We always have to go to the listeners. That's fantastic. Maybe we find a nice stick company that can sponsor Mike McKenna. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a, that's a good one. Mike, we always appreciate the time, buddy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next Friday. That sounds great. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. There you go. Mike McKenna and uh, Curbs. Now we broke down the hitting side of it with him. Listen, I th- what you're seeing, though, that, I understand what Mike is saying. The problem is, is this is a physical game. Mm -hmm. It is a game, and you've done a good job legislating a lot of the fighting out and and things, and and, and you understand why. And you know, I I actually agree with those people out there that say, "How come every sometimes there has to be a fight after every clean hit?" Barry Trotz said that a couple of years ago, and I, you know, and and he's absolutely right. You can see already with the way that certain rules have been adjusted to help create more offense. You can see how players on the ice right now don't expect to get hit. Guys go into the corners now, and and when they get hit, they immediately turn and look at a referee like, you didn't call this? Yeah. And, you know, some of these referees will look at these guys and go, dude, you got hit. (laughs) It's hockey. And and you also, you have to stay, 
This isn't, and by the way, this isn't old school. This isn't stuck in the mud, you know, you know, get off my lawn kind of approach. Part of what the sport of hockey has been is physicality. It is not just, it is not just the skill of what you do dangling the puck. It's that you're dangling the puck and doing that skill in a sport where you can get creamed. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's part of what the game is. And people like to say, well, look, well, we all want more skill and goals. No, you want more skill, goals, checking, saves, everything. Yep. And the way these things are being legislated and the way some people want them out is, is to sit there and say, that guy's got a man. If Jacob Truba pulls off of either one of those, Paul Maurice is looking at him saying, what are you doing? Or you're getting you dangled like, uh, like you were against Nathan McKinnon. He, look, he, he didn't play. He, it, what, neither of the hits were late. The puck was right there. The guy's head was down. And, and you're supposed to tell this guy you, you, you need to let up? You know, it, it's plays like, like that. It, it's hard play. It's heavy play that allows you to continue to earn contracts. You know, are you going you gonna to tell a player? I mean, should we be telling a player in the National Football League, don't, you know, don't hit a receiver hard? I mean, they, they, they legislate as much out as they can, and sometimes these receivers just put themselves in a bad spot. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you continue to do this, and it's, and it's understood at a younger level, players are now expecting to not get hit, Alex, and they're not protecting themselves. And that, to me, is a much bigger problem. The players not protecting themselves with awareness on the ice than a few of the open ice hits we're seeing. That's, I, I understand. I respect somebody's opinion on this other side of that. But to me, when you look at it as a whole, I, I think sometimes we got to put, you know, yeah. you, you got to put the onus on. on yeah. Look, right, here, here, I'll make it real simple for you. You pull up to, a, you go to, you pull up to an intersection. The light turns green. Yeah, you can hit your gas pedal immediately and go. But if you haven't looked, to just make sure no one's running that red light. You could get hit. Now, it's 100% their fault that you got hit, but it's still something where you could have had a better awareness and maybe helped avoid it. And, you know, that's there's an example there where sometimes people, just, you just got to be more aware on the ice. Maybe it's difference of generation because it's always 100% their fault if I get hit, even if it's my fault. Well, I mean... Nathan McKinnon has has got to expect to get hit. He put himself in a bad spot. I, I actually, to be honest with you, I actually would expect Jujar Kara and Nathan McKinnon when when they meet the media. This stuff, I almost actually, I'll be shocked if those two guys don't say that it was my fault. Yeah. Well, Mark Rycroft, who who former St. Louis Blue, I told you this yesterday. He did on his per- intermission report on the television side after that game. He said. That was all McKinnon. He said, McKinnon's a superstar in this league. You put your head down, you're going to have to pay for it. And that's a guy who covers the team and talks to McKinnon on a daily basis. I, I would expect both those players, Kara and them, while maybe to be fired up, so I, I would expect somewhere in the comments to say, yeah. I put, when I, I put myself in a bad spot. Yep. We're late to a break. He's Chris Kerber. I'm Alex Ferrario. Coming up 15 minutes, we'll get into the Craig Berube Coach of the Year conversation. But coming up next, an NFL weekend look ahead. Week 14, we'll talk about some of those points next here on 101 ESPN. More Blues Talk, more often. 101 ESPN is live from the Centene Community Ice Center. Brought to you by Bud Light and E&B Granite. Bernie Federko's only choice for granite countertops, cabinets, and flooring. Week 
14 officially underway in the National Football League. It's back on BK and Ferrario. Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber in for BK. Tanner Hendrickson, Alex Ferrario with you. BK off next week as well. Gets married on Saturday. Uh, so he'll be back. I know, slacker, T-Bone. <laughs> That's all he is. You know, you know, when my baby was here, I think I took four days off yeah, and worked, I was back to you work. You from a closet. I worked in a closet in my basement. Uh, let's let's name it what we did. You you Harry Potter. I, I Harry you Potter. Had the, you had the office underneath the staircase. Yep. But but you know what? God bless my wife because she put some some uh, more soundproof padding in there. She put a painting up in there. That's because she's tired of hearing from you too. Yeah, she's hoping I actually exact, stay down there yeah. more. That's exactly it's weird. Right. She put a fridge in a in a uh, like a pantry down there too. Hey, I have a question for you and Tanner. Okay, can I ask this? Is it about dating? Because no, 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 no. No, we, 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 we covered that last you. night. We, we covered that last night. How many home runs did Albert Pujols hit the oh, end of the rest geez. of the year, fellas? Uh, uh, it was only three, I, I thought, right, Tanner? Eh, maybe not yeah. even. It was only three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tanner, you know what, Keep Kurtz, going. Keep going, fellas. You know Keep what, Kurtz, going. Tanner will pay you both of our uh, payment on that no, punishment that's, there. That's so – are you guys welching on that bet? Yeah, I, totally. That's what I want to know. Totally. I don't really? remember the bet. Can't find yeah, it. No oh my I, I don't think, I was, I don't nobody, think I was working that day. Nobody clipped it, so nobody yeah. knows. I don't think anybody was working that day, Curtis. I think that was the best up show you're thinking That's of. That's unbelievable. I told you, Tanner will pay up that on that bet. Unbelievable. Well, week 14's first game was unbelievable. Last night, the Steelers, they were down at one point. What was it, T Bone? It was 29 nothing, I believe. 29 yeah. to nothing. And they came back, drove down the field, lost by a touchdown. And that touchdown, by the way, to tie it, was in the hands of the receiver. He dropped it with the final seconds. You talk about a great start. But more than anything, you look at matchups that you're looking most forward to this week. That was one of them for me. The other one that I think I would have to jump on board with and I'm looking forward to is Rams and Cardinals, and that's Monday Night Football because I think that one has as much leverage as any of the other games in terms of positioning in the playoffs. Yeah, so, I, I like that one too, Alex. The problem for me is I know Heist told us yesterday, he said, hey, yeah, that's the bounce-back game for the Rams. You know, they're going to cover that 2.5. I will believe it when I see it. I'd no. be stunned if they covered the 2.5. Uh, but the one that intrigues me, no, so give me the 49ers and the Bengals. Two teams kind of on the cusp. They have a lot to prove this week. The winner is probably a playoff team in their conference. The loser could be on the verge of being out. I'm taking Cincinnati at home. I know way too many suffering Bengals fans from years in Ohio that uh, it's it's time for them to to, to continue to break through. So I'll, I'll take Cincinnati at home. I always like the underdog, so I'm I'm going to have the New York Giants surprising the Los Angeles Clippers or the uh, the Chargers rather. And then I am actually so this this flies in the face of logic. Okay, I like that. So I, Are you I, taking the Lions because that's no, all the T Bone does? My, my, the, I can't take them anymore. They got their one win on the year. No, my two favorite teams in, in the National Football League have always been the Cardinals and the Giants. Yeah, and uh, so and and it and is for the longest time now has been uh, has been the Cardinals and the Giants and anybody playing the Rams. So for me. Uh, the fact that the Cardinals are playing the Rams, I, I, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. And uh, and, I, and I think the Cardinals are going to take care of business there, too. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, what? Uh, let's do this one, Tebow. What team can gain the most respect with a win this weekend? Are you going to try convincing us that it's, uh, who would you say last week, Minnesota, Said, they beat Detroit? Yeah, and look what happened. Detroit's Did they playing not lose Denver. To- are you going to say Denver again? No, Detroit's already lost all of their oh. respect that they deserve. I think the team that can gain the most respect this weekend, in my opinion, and look, I've just mentioned that 49ers and Bengals game. I think both those teams can kind of earn something. I think it's the Bills. You know, they just come off of that 
tough loss, playing in the cold. They can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. Now they're taking on the MVP favorite, Tom Brady. You're on the road. This is kind of that game that it can be, okay, they're back. They finally got it figured out. Maybe the Bills can earn some respect, and you can throw them back into this, I don't even know what you want to call it in the AFC, where anybody could win that division or that Trash. conference. Trash, that's me. what you call it. Yeah, and then the other one to keep an eye on, too, would be the Raiders. The Raiders 6-6, six and six, they're fighting for the wild card spot. If they can beat that bad team in Kansas City, the Chiefs, then they earn a lot of respect, too. Yeah, for I like the one of, um, of the Bills. I think that's the big one in this one. I think the other one for me is Washington. Washington can get a victory at home against the Cowboys, who I think a lot of people still are very high on that the Cowboys could win a Super Bowl, which, come on, they can't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, but if, Was- on, if Washington can find a way to eliminate that defense and Taylor Heineke can pull out a win, I think Washington gets a little bit more respect. Yeah, I wonder if you start, I don't think this would be the case, but I'm sure we'd start to hear the conversation of, oh, here comes the Washington football team led by the franchise quarterback Taylor Heineke to try and catch the Cowboys in the East. Give me a break. They win. It's just kind of a lucky cause. Curbs? Okay, so one team wins and you get respect. Another team beats a good team and they're lucky? Yeah, R-E-S-P-T. That's how this works? That's how this works. Oh, all right. So you win a game and you don't get respect for winning the game. No, for doing they get respect for winning. I'm not going to say I know it's going to be the headline on national like ESPN. They're going to be saying, oh, here comes the Washington football team. Curbs. Well, yeah, so no. you will have a situation where if, like, if, if the Bills – they were to beat Tampa Bay, they would say the Bills won it. If it's Washington beating Dallas, although I think you throw a lot out there because of the rivalry of those two teams for so long, then some will say, oh, well, Dallas lost it. And that's that's, yeah. that's the difference. So they'll, they'll, they'll put the narrative. We don't hand a lot of respect out on BK and Ferrari. No, the Cardinals still a bad team. <laughs> are, the Car- are the Cardinals still a bad team? Yeah. Arizona. Are- is Arizona a bad team right now? Yeah, they, they've got like five losses in He's my book. He's just upset because his Rams are worse than the Cardinals right now. Have, Curves. Bring it up. One more to get to, and I like this one. Since we talked about who can gain the most respect, Curves, who can lose respect with a loss this weekend? See, we don't hand out respect. Uh, you lose it quickly. There's no luck involved in a loss. Considering I have no respect for anything in the NFL, I don't give a rat's butt. <laughs> I figured that was your answer. I really don't. <laughs> I figured that was your answer. T-Bone? I think it's the Baltimore Ravens. They're on the road against Cleveland. I think they're the better team, but I'm stunned to see that Cleveland's a three-point favorite against the Baltimore Ravens. So, to me, if they lose to the Cleveland Browns, a team that's sitting at 6-6, six and six, all the discussions around Baker Mayfield and is he the franchise quarterback, and he just had a bad loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you lose to the Cleveland Browns, then I'm definitely taking Baltimore out as a potential contender for the AFC. They're still a playoff team, but if they lose this one, I think they're no longer considered legitimate contenders. Yeah, you okay, know... What, okay, I, can I ask? I, I gotta yeah. ask. Ba- Baltimore, Baltimore right now, you would consider Baltimore right now to be a Super Bowl contender, wouldn't you? Well, considering that, like, there's seven teams that yeah. are Super Bowl contenders in the AFC, I would, I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, but so, but, yeah. that, but that's the reality, okay? Mm-hmm. It would not shock you to see Baltimore come out of the AFC, would it? No. I don't think so, no. Okay. All right. Do you really think one game against Cleveland changes that whole thing? I do because it's multiple bad losses. Yeah, and that's, you lost that's to Pittsburgh why I have week. a lot of trouble buying into Buffalo. If they can get a good win against Tampa Bay, they gain some more respect for me because teams with multiple bad losses, it's hard for me to buy into. You look at Buffalo, they've lost to Jacksonville, who can't seem to score any points, but somehow they lost to them. And then if 
Baltimore, for example, just lost to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's not a very good football team. You lose another one back-to-back weeks against a division rival when you should be ready to go. That is that's well, the big I thing think, for me. And I think, too, if the Ravens lose and Cincinnati wins, doesn't Cincinnati get the division, at least at this point, because of a tiebreaker? I wouldn't. I believe so. Wouldn't it also? Wouldn't it also though come down to how how that how that loss ends up going? Because how it looks. Listen, because yeah. when you're look it, it, with Washington at six and six, with Cleveland at six and six, with San Francisco at six and six, with Denver at six and six. No, you are not talking great football teams in any way, but you're talking good enough teams that can beat a team that's at eight and four. That that, that can beat a team. You know that. Yeah. You know that. That to me. Though those games may not be as far apart, yeah, as they really are. When, when you're six and six, you've had a couple games just not go your way. Yeah, I'll tell you the one for me that will really change my opinion. I don't think this is going to happen. But if the Tennessee Titans lose to the Jaguars, I, I think you, I think you really have to sit yes. there and be like, nah, okay. I think that one's over. That's a different. Okay, but that's a different one. You're talking an eight and four yeah. team against a two and ten team, and that's a different. And, and, but thing I know people's re- excuses for that will be, well, Tennessee doesn't have any of their big time impact players. They would have been a different outcome. That's fine, but they at least don't have Derrick Henry for the rest of the season. You don't know what those receivers are going to look like because they're banged up. If this is what you're playing with, even if you get somebody back and they're not a hundred percent, if they're fifty percent. You can't beat the Jaguars without them? That's you, a problem. You guys ever weave in – Tanner, you, you ever weave in and out of traffic with your car and go, man, I wonder if this is what, like, Otis Anderson felt like when he saw a hole in the in the offensive line? Well, because like, I don't know to, who you just brought up. I was going to say, no. he doesn't know who Otis Anderson I'm is. I'm a great driver, Curves. No no need for me to weave in, Bob. No, it's okay. So I'm, I'm coming down 141 today. There's a car on my left. There's two cars in front. And then there's an open lane to the right. I'm like, no, I don't like to pass on the right. And both cars in front of me – Ended up going to the right because I guess they were getting off at Olive from 141. And it opened it up right in the middle for you to go right to the middle. I thought, man, I wonder if this is like, like Otis Anderson hits that hit that offensive line and saw that hole the daylight for one of his great runs. And I wonder if this is what he felt like. That, that's when you know you're a sports fan. Again, T-Bone has no idea who Otis Anderson is. Okay. That guy played in what, the 70s? Dude, you work in St. Louis. Look him up. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, T-Bone. Look it up. Google. Google. (laughs) Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. I'm Alex Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson. It's BK and Ferrario. 15 minutes or so, we're going to get into the junk drawer. But coming up next, Craig Berube. Should we start talking Jack Adams Award? I think so. But maybe I'm getting too quick with this. We'll get into that next year on 101 ESPN. Wall-to-wall blues coverage is right here. 101 ESPN is live from the Centene Community Ice Center. Brought to you by Bud Light and E&B Granite. Bernie Federko's only choice for granite countertops, cabinets, and flooring. With the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. I'm Alex Ferrario here at the E&B Granite Studios at Centene Community Ice Center. Tanner Hendrickson back in our 101 ESPN studios. Does Craig Maruby deserve some of the conversation in Jack Adams. I know it's early. Chief, Why am I even Chief, bringing this Chief, up? Chief. Are you trying to are you trying to piggyback off of a BT's Charlie chance from yesterday? I don't even know what No. <laughs> I was hoping that would have happened. I really I, I, I really cool. was too actually. Just How for, cool would that have been? Because the because the Husos have been going on nonstop every time he's been getting starts on home ice. Finally yeah, was, get those back every once in a while. By the way, best goalie, of course that's happening. That's true. I forgot. Did you, you know, I, I believe, I believe, I, I have to double check this, um, but you mentioned the Jack Adams. Yeah. Okay. I believe it's Boston, Detroit, Philadelphia, 
the Blues. I think those are the teams that have had the most Jack Adams awards in NHL history with four each. I don't think a team has ever had five. Hmm. And the last Blues coach, of course, to win it was Ken Hitchcock. Now, when Ken Hitchcock won it, he was one of three coaches in the history of the award that won the Jack Adams as an in-season replacement. He had replaced Mike Yo, mm-hmm. and uh, what, about 13, 14 games into that that season. Craig Berube in 2019, in my opinion, should have been the Jack Adams winner. Barry Trotz had an amazing year with the New York Islanders, so I understand that. I Honestly, the last couple of seasons, guys, you know, and I don't know where Tanner, you and, and Alex sit on this. I think the last couple of seasons, I think you won. Not only could you go beyond three finalists, I think you could go to five finalists, and I don't think you could have gone wrong with any one of the picks. Yeah, that That is how good I think some of the coaching has been. And I think that's important because it's not just what coach, what coach supersedes preseason expectations because those are media expectations set. I like the fact that we've seen a John Cooper or other coaches win it that have won with teams where the expectations are high and and they've won it with good good hockey teams. I I think it's a little too early on this one, but I I, I do think, yes, the the job that Craig Berube has done to have this team as close to to first place as they had, if if you were to say – like if this was the fifty-six game season, we yeah. just we just hit the or the fifty-two game the season, whatever. Part. We just hit the quarter pole. Um, that I I would think yes, he he is definitely in the conversation, especially. And we you talked about this on Curbs on Ice yesterday. We talked about this on the show yesterday. Like Craig Bruby has not had a normal season. This coaching staff has not had a normal season, a normal roster. Uh, his entire time with the St. Louis Blues. This year, he's fourteen eight and four, thirty-two second place in the Central Division, and he's had one game. One game where it's been a full roster, and that was against the Detroit Red Wings two weeks ago. And that one game had Oscar Sundquist back for his first game, mm-hmm. and you have zero expectations of Oscar. And didn't in that somebody game. leave early in that game, or maybe Is it was that the when next Neil day? Got hurt? Yeah, I think that was when Neil was hurt. Because hold on, let me double check. Because Neil, the next game, the next game against Chicago, Neil was out. Yes, well, Neil did not play that game, so it was Costin Bozak because Sunquist returned. Right, Neil was a healthy but the ne- scratch. But the next yes, game, the yes. Neil was out in that one to right. where because Costin was injured as well. Well, I just uh, you know, not not only have you had the uniqueness of the four years that he has been here, and that 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 still includes this one. This one will be the as close to normal as you can get mm-hmm. because you did have a regular training camp, you did have eight preseason games, yeah. you did you, you you will play eighty two games. We assume. But even then, this is an Olympic year where you're going to have a three-week break yeah. in the middle of it, and who knows what impact the Olympics could have on on your hockey team. I just I do think that another aspect of this coaching staff, and we heard from Doug Armstrong, you know, at the at the onset of the show, and we asked him about the coaches. But to me, Alex, another another aspect of this coaching staff is within that four-year window, they've won a Stanley Cup. They've lost key players to free agency that helped you win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. You've had new players come in, and all the while you're actually starting to kind of change the style of play from what won you the Stanley Cup just three seasons ago, counting this one now, to to more of that speed game that's going to give you some of those defensive challenges right. because you, a little risk versus reward. So not only are we, are we talking about overall uniqueness to the four seasons, a complete changing 
of the style of play to a degree. Yeah, every single season it's been a, a, some type of significant change with it. And, and that begs the question that I know so many people ask, you know, Craig Berube doesn't have a contract yet. Before we talk about that, let's hear what Doug Armstrong had to say earlier today. He was with Chris Kerber and myself. Uh, you can hear it after the show on the podcast, 101ESPN.com. Doug Armstrong talked about just his general thoughts on this coaching staff. Yeah, I think uh, not as much the adversity as, as the ability to adapt to the personnel of, of how we need to play and what we need to play like, uh, or, or what our how, how we constructed the team was going to be different than how we played in the past. And, and they've done a really good job of probably a better job than I have of turning a blind eye to the odd turnover. <laughs> So obviously he's talking about the ability to adapt. And, you know, we've heard on the post games, the last couple of games, Curbs, Mike Van Ryan talking about differences and Craig Bruby going into the locker room and firing brimstone to get the guys fired up. And then the patients like, hey, you guys are better than this. The motivational to get this guys going. Why do you think we haven't seen a contract extension yet for Chief? I have not asked that question. And I part of me wonders, um, is there any part of Craig Berube that has said, we'll just wait and deal with it at the end of the year? To focus on the actual I, I season. I don't think uh, – well, like I, I look around, and, and one, there's only one – there's two coaches out there right now, in my opinion, that have the experience that, that you'd say, okay, if, if, if there was a change. And, and maybe one might be Mike Babcock. You know, you know, are are you ready? Is is a team ready to kind of help him bridge the gap to getting back into coaching? Uh, the other one is, is John Tortorella. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how those personalities would fit in with this hockey team, but to me, it, it's totally irrelevant. Like, if, I mean, you're just asking my opinion on this. Yeah, that I I haven't seen anything that would make me not think that this guy shouldn't continue as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. Now, now I understand some of the look after winning the cup. You've had a couple of early exits. There's been some inconsistent play. You know, you've had two first-round exits. So I, I understand a general manager sitting there saying, hey, we're going to – there's a contract already right now. We, we don't need to extend this I- immediately and, and, and see where that goes. And so I, I completely understand that. But, I look, I, I think this, this coaching staff as a whole has done a spectacular job this season. Yeah. A, a really good job amidst everything and and also and i think i i don't know i don't remember if i said this during curbs on ice last night alex maybe i did i did but like jordan Cairo has become a player under craig baruby mm-hmm. robert thomas has become a player under craig baruby we'll see what happens with scott perunovich you know in, in terms of the of the, the the defensive side of things but we've seen a coach with the ability to integrate the young players to become successful players while at the same time still managing the veteran players. And how many times across sports do you sit there and say, this is a veteran coach, doesn't want to give the young guys the chances? Yeah, a lot. You've seen it. Okay. (laughs) I mean, and and that just, that hasn't been the case here. Mm -hmm. To be successful, he knows he's had to do it. He's had the experience. I'm I'm perfectly comfortable. Yeah. Moving forward with with, with, with Craig, Craig Berube, especially putting yes. guys in positions to succeed because we've seen guys. I mean, think back to the Stanley Cup playoffs in the eighteen nineteen season. You know, you put Sammy Blay in a game as a scratch who's been healthy, scratched up to that point, and he scores a big time goal against the Dallas Stars. His first game in in the action. I don't know. I, listen honestly, and and okay, are we a little biased because we see him every single game? Yes. So when I say this, maybe I say he's got to be one of, but. I don't know that right now there is a better 
in-game adjustment coach. I would agree. Then Craig Berube. Coop, Cooper in, 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 in Tampa, a no-doubter. Mm-hmm. Joe Quenville, when he was in Florida, a no-doubter. Jared Bednar's trending hey, that way. Jared Bednar. Jared Bednar is, uh, uh, I think, I think one of the fantastic coaches in this league. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that any of them are better than Craig Berube. Yeah, I'm with you. The guy's got a he's got a coaching record as a head coach in the National Hockey League right now. So he had the what he had the year and a half with Philadelphia. He's got his time with the Blues. That's 70 games over 500. <laughs> you know that's that's pretty doggone good. Right. That's pretty doggone good. I think I got a. I'm going off the top of my head here. I'll look it up maybe during the break, but I'll, I'll tell you right now. Did he when he got let go by Philadelphia? Did they have a, a record at 500 or a winning record at the time? Uh, let me look real quick. I'd have I'd have to pull that up on yeah. on Hockey DB. Um, you know, I know I know they had the one year he took them to the playoffs. Uh, you know, but 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 anyway, I just he said something in our coaches show yesterday. They were 33, 31, and 18 the final year that he was in Philly. Okay. All right, and I mean that's been a franchise in transition. And he made the playoffs his first year with them, right? Forty-two, twenty-seven, and okay. ten, third place. So I mean that 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 tells you something. Look, the, before Colorado, I heard that the Colorado when Patrick Wah left, they called and asked for permission to talk to Craig Ruby, and and the team said no. <laughs> There's a reason you kept you, you kept the hands on that guy. And that and that's because he, he's he's that good, yeah. and and there's still learning curves. So you you have there are some things that he's going to continue to learn, and 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 coaching and things. But I I yeah, man, I I, I'm, I guess I'm beating a dead horse here. I, I I'm with you on this. Perfectly fine. I don't have a good answer for you why maybe there hasn't been an extension. I think and the better I, way I don't to, know if it's on one side or the other or both. To be I think the better way to phrase that, which was on me, is if do you think it will happen? And I think we answered that saying like, look, for right now, you, you kind of let it play out. Craig Berube might have wanted to say like, let's let the season take care of itself. But more than anything, for what he has done, his performance with this team, it's hard to disagree. I don't know why. I don't know why it shouldn't. Yeah, I. I That's I a better don't way have of any reasons it. why. It, why I don't yeah. have any reasons for you. Or the ones I would have to come up, I think, would just be trying to come up with one to come up with one, and that's yeah. not how that should be done. He's Chris Kerber. I'm Alex Ferrario. In about 10 minutes or so, are, are we starting to see the defensemen take their play to the next level? We'll get into that, but coming up next, I really hope Curves doesn't subscribe me to another GOAT um, ah. website, but we got the junk drawer to get to after this here on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. All right, we're going to go quick here. Coming up in 15 minutes or so. Last night we had fun at OB Clark's, our extended postgame show on Thursday night, the Blues home games. John Bartlett, the voice of Hockey Night in Canada, uh, he joined us uh, to talk about a special initiative of why he's in St. Louis early. So we're going to get into that in about 15 minutes or so. One's got to go coming up at 1.30. But Curves, as we get into the junk drawer here, the L.A. Kings and Dallas Stars in action last night, and the Kings have done this in the past, but they brought Snoop Dogg back on yep. the broadcast. And, my God, the more I hear this, the more I think the L.A. Kings just need to hire him as a full-time color commentator. Listen. Seats. Oh, over here right next to me. Watch out now, though. Watch out now. Hello. Hello. How y'all doing tonight? It's Arthur Callio. Yeah. Sliding in the corner there. Yeah, sliding on ice like a pair of dice. Two here. 
Okay, maybe not a color commentator because you actually need some commentating on the game, but maybe a sideline reporter of Snoop Dogg at least once a week for the Kings. I just love the fact, too, that, that somebody, you know, there's, there's different personalities that are really catching on to seeing how much fun this game is to watch. Well, especially when you get Snoop Dogg and his reactions to it. And they've had, you know, they've had Charles Barkley, who I know is a big NHL guy. He's been done. He's done pre and post games before. He was on the TNT broadcast uh, with well, Kevin the, Hart and Snoop Dogg's uh, Olympic bits that they yes. did were, were, were must watch. Uh, exactly. They, they, they were fantastic. I, I got a real quick one for yeah. you. Like, I saw a video today of a guy brushing the teeth of a hippopotamus. Why? Why would you, first of all, watch that video? Because the, the Twitter feed said, if you haven't seen somebody brush the teeth of a hippopotamus today, I'm like, I hadn't, so I had to watch it. <laughs> you and know what? I haven't. The hippopotamus comes out of the water, opens its big mouth. You want to talk about, and this guy's sitting in there, and he's brushing the, the teeth, and I'm sitting there thinking, I cannot imagine how bad the breath of that hippopotamus must be. That's what you took away from it. I'm thinking that's that thing's going to bite my arm off. Yeah, well, that's I, true. Okay, well, I okay. Yes, the fear of <laughs> the fear of becoming Geppetto in the hippopotamus's <laughs> mouth would be one thing. That, that's a Pinocchio reference for all the young kids out there. Realizing Tanner definitely got okay. that one. It was a I got Disney it. I got movie. it. I've seen that one. You got that one. Okay, but 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 the other one is I'm sitting here thinking, like. There's no way with that thing eating stuff underwater, whatever it might be, that that hippopotamus has anything decent smelling on its breath. Like, you don't, I mean, could you, you'd have to, I can't even imagine the size of the breath mint you try to give that guy. Now, I'm going to feel like Joe Vitale here, but I I think if I'm not mistaken, no, yeah, I think I have a hippo fact. I think like hippos are one of the most aggressive animals in terms of wildlife. Like, I think they're more aggressive. They're viewed more aggressive than like lions in cheetahs and things like that they, they, they could be mean they could be real they could mean be, they could and be they're mean. just gonna just what try and do a nice polite dude, gesture guy, to brush I'm, his teeth? I'm gonna text i'm gonna text it to you both they, the, the, the dude just came out of the water opened his mouth dude, am, I gonna, am i gonna see you doing this at the st louis zoo yeah. when you retire this is gonna, <laughs> when you retire, this gonna be your little gig voice of no, the blues brushes not, the teeth am, of yeah. the hippo no i am not brushing the teeth of, of a hippopotamus like and and when you brush the teeth of a hippopotami Hippopotami. Hippopotamus, if there's two of them. Do you use fluoride toothpaste? Well, I would imagine the chemicals would affect them, right? I have no idea. I don't know the answer. You know, T-Bone, I'm sure you have this image in your head. I could just Mike McKenna. His dad's a dentist. That's a great point, actually. Yeah. I can I can picture Curb sitting in his car, like on his way here, and then when he parks and he's sitting there just scrolling through Twitter, he's like, have you seen a picture of a or a video of a hippo getting his teeth brushed? Okay, one, I don't well, do it. Well, I'm not. I'm not doing it when I'm driving. I said when you were parked. Okay, all right. Polite. Curb that's pay- it. That's it. You, you under my my kind of weird thing of the day. That's that's what it was as today. As long as I'm I, not getting a subscription yep. emails, I think I'm in a good shape I, with that one. I cannot lie. I did not expect to hear us talking about brushing the teeth of a uh, hippopotamus. Yeah. I also didn't expect to have weekly things from Daily Goats Anonymous coming to my email. <laughs> I cannot but believe you have not been able to just nope. hit unsubscribe. Curbs, on that uh, Curbs ruined my email because of a junk drawer like what, a what year ago. Daily Goats? No, yard backyard. Goats. No, it was backyard, backyard goats, goats, which I com. thought was a different type of website. Yeah. Chris Kerber, Tanner Hendrickson, and Alex Ferrario. 15 minutes. We will discuss a little bit about this game on Saturday and hear from John Bartlett. But coming up next, are the Blues defensemen taking a step towards what we thought they could get to? We're going to get into that next here on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas.
6-2 win last night against the Detroit Red Wings for the Blues. Two consecutive wins, 32 points on the year. Now back in action on Saturday against Montreal. We'll talk about that uh, game on Saturday and hear from John Bartlett coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But Curbs, last night for me, uh, other hey, than... Real, real quick, yeah. can, I, can I touch on that yeah, just please. for a second? Sorry. Um, pretty amazing. So we, we, we do our post-game shows at Obi Clark's every Thursdays after home games now. And, and we're going to have some more great guests. I think that was our last Thursday home game I think um, like January. until after Christmas yeah. and, and the holidays. But how awesome was it to have the voice of Hockey Night in Canada now? Just show up. You know, be there. And then to find out that he's in town, and we'll touch on, on why, but he's in town because of his foundation aligns with a, what's been a long-time uh, effort here in St. Louis. So we, you and I got educated on something that was spectacular and, and awesome last night yeah. on that front. But, you know, you sit there in there and you see Jeff Brown pop in and Chase was there and Scotty Warman and mm-hmm. Panger comes on the show with us and John Kelly as well. It was, it was really cool. So big thank you to all the fans that showed yeah, up. Yeah, by the way, well. we're going we're gonna to come up. I'm going to talk with Ryder next week. We're going to put something together because we've gotten a lot of texts about O.B. Clarkson getting the post-game show so you can listen to it because it was phenomenal last night with Darren Pang. We had Mike Claiborne and Bob Ramsey. We had Danny Cox. We have some other big ones. So we're going to put something together where we can get the podcast out for people to listen to the next night if they missed it. Uh, So from that one last night, Curves, other than Nathan Walker, who scores a hat trick, a big game for him, a big game for Charlie Lindgren, who stops 30... 29 to 31 shots, I believe, from from the Red Wings. The other element that I was really impressed with was Pareko and Mikola as a top pairing. Pareko played 20 minutes and 9 seconds. Mikola played 18 minutes and 32 seconds. Mikola had two assists, was a plus one. He had the assist on that Pareko goal that was his slap shot from the blue line. I, I know this is still a work in progress, and we talked about the defense with Doug Armstrong at 11, but for me, that felt like one of the first games in a while that I looked at the defense and I said, man, if this is what your six-man unit looks like without Justin Falk, this could be something for this Blues team. No, you need Justin Falk. You de- you, but but like, the like other, there's no mistake. But the other that. guys that were there, you put it, Justin Falk in that group last oh, I night. I see what you're saying. That looks okay. like a unit that you're really impressed with. Well, yeah, and, and that's going to be the continued growth. I, I think one of the things that we definitely, when, when you looked at the St. Louis Blues a couple of weeks ago, and if you saw a hole, you, you said you definitely are looking for somebody that could play the left side and and a, and a bigger aggressive size. I, I don't think that our team has enough bite defensively no. yet. I don't. I don't think there's enough there's enough threat of punishment or enough nastiness on, on on the team. And I think other teams come into our zone and get a little too comfortable. So I think that's an area of growth that they have. But you had to wonder: Do you have that player in, in Nico Mikola? And the only way to find out was you had to play him, and you had to play him for a stretch. I think players, especially defensemen, Alex, in the National Hockey League, have got to get in there where they don't worry about making mistakes and whether or not that's going to get them taken out of the lineup and sent up to the press box. And while there are growth curves and while there are times to sit a player and let them see, and that that is helpful, a player cannot be looking over their shoulder and worried about making mistakes. When you do that, that prevents, I think, what is hockey instincts from from kicking in. So, uh, kind of for me, I, I'm I'm watching a, a, a hopefully a 12 to 15 game stretch for Nico Mikola, and then let's hear from the coaches on, on what they think at that point in time because he had gone so long without playing, right? That you got to get into speed, then you're in there. I thought 
Look, Colton Pareko plays his best hockey when he's moving his feet and he skates the puck up and gets it out of trouble. I think that's big. I thought he had a terrific stick in last night's game. I thought last night's game a very was an important game for Tory Krug. Yeah. He had the two points, and, and it's not just about a player getting points, but getting points is part of Tory Krug's game. Mm-hmm. And he had gone, what, eight or nine games without a point after scoring in the two games that he first returned from COVID. So I thought it was an important game for, for Tory Krug uh, on, on that front as well. Th- those were three key pieces. I, I, I thought that uh, Logan Brown looked good. They moved him up the lineup and, and, and got him in and out of there. Got him close to another 14 minutes last night. Um, I, I think he's doing, he's a, he's one of those perfect examples. He doesn't have to come up here and be the savior of anything. Yeah. So he can figure out his game. And it's like he was in Ottawa where 11th overall pick, you gotta be the you, savior. Yeah, right. Well, and a team that was going nowhere, a team that was down in the dumps, a team that had nothing. And, and, and it, it just wasn't working out. Now he can continue to grow here and just do exactly what he's asked when he's asked. So I thought there were a really a whole lot of positives. Now you got to follow it up tomorrow. Jake Allen's going to come in motivated. I, I have to think he's going to get the start tomorrow Jake Allen's going to come in highly motivated I know the team's going to put a video together for him I think the fans can expect and they should I mean this guy by the time he left was number two all-time in wins number two in shutouts he, he was amongst the, the your, yeah. your franchise leaders um, and, and obviously a Stanley Cup winner so his first game back since uh, leaving the St. Louis Blues I think is, is an important one and, and he'll get he'll, he'll get honored and, and applauded by the fans as he should but beyond that this is a Montreal team that's been in disarray Come out and play the style of play you played with last night and get another victory because, as Doug Armstrong said, earning those points now gives you the flexibility to continue to let – you may not have to bring a guy back or feel like he's got to get back an extra game or two early because you're starting to slide in the stands. It gives you the ability to not feel like you're chasing the entire hockey game where you know you're down eight points yeah. and you have to win that game. If you have a little bit of wiggle room to get guys back and get them acclimated, then that gives you some opportunities. Did you see the video, by the way, last night of uh, Ben Bishop taking the ice for yeah. the for the Texas Iowa Star- the Texas yeah, Stars? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so uh, great to see them. Boy, the Dallas Stars who we're going to see now after this weekend, we're going to see them next week, Alex. They could have an interesting situation with three goaltenders making some decent money and having to figure out who's going to move. I don't know how they fit him in the cap. Yeah, well, they got four guys right now because Jake Ottinger has been so good for him. Hudobin, they got Braden Holtby and then Ben Bishop. And I've seen the reports that Hudobin has been on the trade market to try and get that cap off. But if they have if they have options to move Ottinger, the time being, you got to slide him down. You have no choice, of course, until you can move one of those guys. But you got Bishop in 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 Holtby there, and then right. figuring out what to do with Hudobin. And remember, Hudobin was the sole reason that the Stars were in the Stanley Cup final during that bubble play. It's uh, yeah, they got that that that's going to be a story in the next couple of weeks to keep. Yeah, and, and Stars, by the way, they've lost two straight after I think they won yep. seven or eight in a row. Lost two straight coming off that one last night against the L.A. Kings. Let's talk more about this Montreal matchup tomorrow with the Blues as uh, Jake Allen, like Curbs mentioned, is going to be getting the start. We're also going to hear from John Bartlett. It's BK and Ferrario. Chris Kerber in for BK. I'm Alex Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson. And we're back after this here on 101 ESPN. We're back to more exclusive Blues talk. 101 ESPN is live from the Centene Community Ice Center. Brought to you by Bud Light and E&B Granite. Bernie Federko's only choice for granite countertops, cabinets, and flooring. Blues. 
Blues wrapped up their practice a little bit ago here at Centene Community Ice Center with Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. I'm Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendrickson as well. Blues skated today, back in action tomorrow against the Canadians. A uh, 6 o'clock puck drop, a first community credit union pregame show starting at 5. Randy Carricker has you covered on that one tomorrow. So uh, you get a little old school matchup, a little uh, original six matchup with the Montreal Canadiens coming to town. I love, I love this matchup yeah. in so many ways, and we touched on it last night. I know you've got Blues Blackhawks. I know you've got Blues Red Wings. Now it's Nashville, Minnesota, whatever the rivalry may be. But, man, considering the early days of when, you know, this St. Louis Blues franchise was built off of a bunch of players that had played for the Montreal Canadiens yeah. and, and and Glenn Hall and Jimmy Roberts, amongst others, that I, this is still, I, to me, always a special game of the year. And to see that logo come in, the Montreal Canadiens come in, it's it's – you know, it's the Yankees of your sport, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really cool. So I, I know they're down in the dumps a little bit, despite having gone to the Stanley Cup final last season. But and they've made a lot of changes at, on the hockey operation side. But I'm looking really forward to this. Yeah, game. and a Saturday night, which is going to be fun as well. You expect a big crowd at Enterprise Center, and we're going to hear from John Bartlett real quick. But curbs today at practice. Uh, James Neal, Clem Costin, they were skating, both unavailable until I believe it's the 18th when they can come off LTIR. But it's nice to know that. They're they're skating. Uh, Tyler Bozak, as Doug Armstrong told us at 11 today, is eligible to come off of the COVID list tomorrow, but it's you you don't expect them to jump back in with conditioning. They're not allowed sure. to skate. So they're not allowed to skate Correct. in practice when they're on the COVID list. And a lot of that is, so you know, from the disease, uh, you know, the, the potential, the heart, whatever it may yeah. be. So that's that, those are the medical rules for them. So they have to come back in after not being on the ice for 10 days and have to get back into some level and, of shape. Otherwise, only, you risk the part of injury. And the only one that did jump back into play was Tory Krug when he right. returned. But he even said, like, you know, I did a lot of exercising, conditioning workouts at home so that I was able to skate and feel like I was ready to return. Um, so Bozak possibly, but you just don't know with this one. Uh, Thomas, Wallman, and Huso, according to Craig Berube, um, is day-to-day still. Yep. So the only one, well, only two, I guess I should say, that are eligible to return tomorrow would be David Perron who did skate today and was skating with the fourth-line players, and then Tyler Bozak, as we just mentioned. Could you see a scenario, I guess, Curbs, where Perron comes back with this upper body injury to where he has been skating these last couple of games? I I can I, I think it's eminent. Yeah. I think it is Especially eminent. if they haven't called anybody up, which we haven't seen anything from the AHL. Yeah, there, there, hasn't, there hasn't been anything there. We haven't, we haven't seen a call-up yet. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're probably saying, let's wait and let's see how the practice goes, and let's talk with David a little later on today. And, and see how he's feeling because it, it may not be necessary. Well, think about that. You know, we talked about Jake Allen in the previous segment and uh, David Perron getting to return against his hometown he- team uh, yep. that he grew up watching. So it's going to be a fun night. And John Bartlett, who is the voice of the Montreal Canadiens, he is also uh, the voice of Hockey Night in Canada. He is in town with his charity group, Curbs. Yeah, he flew home today. Flew home today. Yeah. He was in St. Louis, though, with his charity group as they are working with a charity group here in St. Louis for something that is very near and dear to his heart. He was at OB Clark's last night, so we had him pop on with John Kelly and talk a little bit about why he is in town. Tell everybody why you are in St. Louis right now. So in the last uh, year and a half during the pandemic, um, I started uh, a nonprofit organization in Canada called Very Inclusive Play Playgrounds, uh, VIP Playgrounds for short. 
And what we wanted to do is we wanted to change the conversation in playgrounds being built in Canada uh, to make them more inclusive and more universally accessible. So we started out with this idea, and as we grew our organization, uh, we ended up meeting the group here in St. Louis, Unlimited Play. And, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know Unlimited Play, go to their website, unlimitedplay.org, a fantastic nonprofit organization built here or created here in the St. Louis area. And for the last 16, 17 years now, it started with Zachary's Playground in Lake St. Louis. And Natalie, who's here tonight, it was uh, it was named after her son, Zachary. And that's, I, I've been saying all week, that was the seed that started Unlimited Play and started all the playgrounds now. And uh, they're on over 40 playgrounds across 15 different states. There's a ton in this area, in the St. Louis area. And uh, so the last couple days I've been here, we're partnered with Unlimited Play, our group VIP and Unlimited Play, we're partners together, and we have a plan to build uh, the first playground, which uh, we'll, be, we'll be announcing publicly in the next couple weeks in Canada. It'll be the largest, all-inclusive, fully accessible playground in Canada, one of the largest in North America. And so we've been here this week with Unlimited Play going through all the amazing playgrounds that That's are here in this area. playground. Fill everybody in exactly what we're speaking about. Right. So the difference between when people talk about an inclusive playground, sometimes you hear about accessible playground and you think, okay, that's just got to do with wheelchair accessibility and maybe it's just ramping and, you know, being able to have a, a, a smooth surface. When we talk inclusive, we go beyond just that. So when we say an all-inclusive playground, we mean there's something for everyone of every ability, from every age. And it is, we're talking... First of all, the accessibility, you have ramps that go to the highest point of the playground. So there's no barriers. Anyone that's in any kind of a mobility device can make it from the ground to the highest point. And that's a huge part, especially for kids in wheelchairs. If you're used to looking at everyone's waist all the time, when you get height, that is a really special feeling. So there's that. When you talk in the inclusive side, there's elements for kids on the spectrum, whether it's autism or any kind of sensory, um, you know, you have... Uh, stuff for visually impaired, hearing impaired. There's so much incorporated. And it goes just beyond kids. It could be parents that have a disability that are afraid to take their children to a playground. But this is barrier-free, and they can do that. It's a safe place to take the veterans that come back and are afraid of going on playgrounds that, that have wood chip surfaces. It's not a safe. All the playgrounds have universal rubber surfacing. So it's safe. You can get across it. And there's so many interactive events and all of it and then the fun part is you get creative in the design so there's so many cool playgrounds that unlimited play have done in this area you could tour them all you can go to their website and get the list and honestly do a tour fantastic and they all have their own unique character to them a lot of them are named after uh, a, a child and there's a story behind it and a community rally to support and fundraise for it and that's what unlimited play does they've been raising funds to help build the playgrounds and and also educate on the message of inclusion so it's been uh, john what connected with you along these lines over the years that one made you want to say i'm starting a foundation yeah. this is going to be the basis of it and then you find another one like a group in St. Louis doing the same thing you're doing. Say, now we're partnering, which almost creates an international flair to this. That's exactly what, what it is. Yeah. How, what, how did it, what, what, what connected you that just said, this has got to be it for me? Unlimited play and VIP. We want to be an international powerhouse. Yeah, yeah there you so, go. You know what it is? It's a simple story. And, and in, in, in many aspects, same story that Natalie had. We went on a vacation years ago uh, with our family. And we went to a playground. That was a, an all-inclusive, fully accessible playground. 
And it blew my wife and I away to look at it and think, this, this makes so much sense. This is amazing. Why aren't we doing this? Why is this not a common thing to see? So it always sat with us to think, boy, we'd love to try doing something like that in Canada. And over the years, as we've always loved taking you know, our child to playgrounds and having fun, every time we go to a playground, we were always thinking, well, why would they do that? And why would they do this? And, and why wouldn't they? And, and so we've always looked and thought of playgrounds differently ever since. And we've always had in the back of our head, what if we could ever do one? And so what started it during the pandemic and moving back to my hometown north of Toronto in Newmarket, uh, had a little more connections there and everything. And it just sort of stumbled into the idea during the pandemic. I was talking about one playground, one thing led to another and kind of started the whole motion of, well, what, what would this be like? What if we did build one? And it's just been a whole snowball event from there that built momentum, started to get some meetings with some politicians and the mayors, and hey, this could happen. Started to meet with corporate clients. The idea we had with inclusive sponsorship models was going to work. And then the idea we had, what if we expand it? What if we build one that's going to be the launch pad for what we want to do across Canada? And it grew momentum, and everything just kept sort of building from there. And then to partner with Unlimited Play, you know, 17 years of experience, to be able to have the power and the knowledge that they have, to be able to say, you want to see what we're trying to do? Come walk this playground. Come to Jake's Field of Dreams in Wentzville. Go to Zachary's Playground in Lake St. Louis. Put your feet on the ground of these amazing playgrounds. And I encourage everyone, honestly, go to the website, unlimitedplay.org, and look at them in the St. Louis area and go visit some of them. They are spectacular, and it changes your whole mindset when it comes to a playground of what you can do and why you should do it. Incredible stuff from John Bartlett last night with us at OB Clark's Curbs and something cool. that you and I said afterwards, like I had no idea. I went home and talked to my wife about this and we were like, man, we need to take our nine month old just to check this out. It's, it's really kind of cool. I went home and I, so I went to unlimitedplay.org and remember they told us a story a little bit later on as we talk about it and, and they told Zach's story and Zach's mom was there. Zach passed away uh, a couple months ago, I believe he said. And you know, the, the mom's in tears as he's telling the story. Well, well what happened is when some of these families that have you know kids with needs of, of any kind, like even sometimes just like a checkered mat at the bottom of a slide that lets a visually impaired you know child know that you know it gives them the warning signs of what's coming up. Right. Uh, apparently, a dad came up and, and then said, "We we've discovered you guys. We found you guys." And their son enjoyed, or their son or daughter enjoyed playing on it so much. They actually moved houses. They, instead of they used to drive forty five minutes to this playground all the time. They moved so they could be closer to the playground. So there's right now they've got eleven playgrounds all around that are that are still, you know, in in uh, in progress of being built. There's one being built. Uh, you know, Angie's in and, they, and again they named them after kids. Angie's inclusive playground in, in Marion Park in Florissant, uh, Osage County playground in Lynn uh, Lynn Missouri, Lucas and Friends in Perryville. But there's some there's Kennedy's playground in St. Peter's right now in uh, over in Illinois. There's Lyle, Illinois. There's there's Variety uh, Splash Pad, TB Hanna Station Park in, in Raymore, Missouri. Herculaneum Cades playground. They went out and saw the, the one there. Macaulay playground in Cottleville, Missouri. Dennis Park in Highland, Illinois. These are all around, and I think they're going to continue to go. It was really a cool experience to hear the basically the voice of hockey night in Canada mm -hmm. teaming up with this organization. that has been around for 17 years and, and finding ways to not only do more here, but also do more up in, up in Canada and, and tie it in really cool. And, and, and I think, uh, 
again, even for those of us that had kids that didn't understand it, didn't know this existed, it opens yeah. your eyes. And hopefully we just opened up that many more eyes this afternoon. Totally. And unlimitedplay.org is the website for you to check out. John Bartlett, uh, he'll be in town tomorrow with for the... No, uh, they actually, they're, they're doing they're the here. game remotely. So he was here just for this. So he flew here just it, for that. Yeah, and it said while they were here... They said to him, you know, he said, I'm in St. Louis. Well, they still – Hockey Night's still doing the games remotely yeah. for this telecast. So he's got to fly back to Canada just to be able to do the game Saturday. Got to love it. Got to yeah. love it. All Co- that time. COVID's still rearing its head on <laughs> us Amen all. to that. We'll take a break. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It is our favorite time of the week. One's got to go. You send us options. We'll tell you which one has to go. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We'll do that next here on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. This is BK and Ferrario. Time now for One's Gotta Go. We offer up the talking points, and you get to pick which one's gotta go on 101 ESPN. We'll cross things over with a fast lane in about 10 minutes or so. Chris Kerber filling in for BK. Appreciate him helping us out today here at the E&B Granite Studios. Tanner Hendrickson back in our 101 ESPN studios. And it is our favorite time of the week as we round things Believe out. Believe it or not? Nope, nope. That's no. your favorite time of the week. Frankly, it's his favorite time just so he can sing. Uh, you can sing on this one if you want, but no, it's one's got to go. You send us your text, Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Four options. We'll tell you which one has to go. Curbs, let's start with a hockey one. All of these players in their prime. One has to go. Crosby, Ovechkin, Kane, McDavid. One's got to go. Oh. Crosby, Ovechkin, Kane, McDavid, all in their prime. Hey. Crosby. Really? Yep. I'm, I'm amazed you didn't take out the Blackhawk. I got to I... I don't like the Blackhawks, but I got mad respect for Patrick Kane. <laughs> Why and Crosby? Well, and at some point in time, I might as well go with our fellow countrymen and make it territorial. <laughs> That's the reasoning. Just, I, I, I like look it. at it, I think, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't want any one of them to go, but uh, there's, I don't know that there's ever been a more pure goal scorer in the league than, than, uh, than Alex Ovechkin. Connor McDavid uh, is just as dynamic as anybody you'll ever see at that kind of speed. Patrick Kane is just, he, he can do it all. And if one had to go, I, for me, it was Crosby. And I guess we'll just say because it was harder for him to stay healthy. That's a good one. T-Bone? I, 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 right I think I. <laughs> That's what we do here. Well, I Three would, hours of it, actually. I would say get rid of the Blackhawk. I'm not afraid to. I'll show respect, but get, get him out of here. I'm getting rid of Patrick Kane. I loved watching Crosby in his prime. I love Ovechkin in his prime. McDavid just is going to be, if he's not in his prime already, he's unbelievable. So I can't imagine what the future would hold for him. So get Patrick Kane out of here. I think I'd get rid of Kane too. As much as I respect how good he is, he has provided a lot of heartbreak for myself as a Blues fan. How many, how many, all right, keep going. I got to look something up. No, I just, I don't know. Like I said, I'm I think curious. He, I think he's upset us too many times? Well, that, listen, maybe that's, not. That's, that's a perfectly good emotional reason. Maybe, I, I maybe no, he I hasn't, I have no problem though. with that. Maybe he hasn't, though. Maybe we, because, I, I mean, we I, beat honestly, him in the playoffs God, I, I think you're going to get fired as a GM for getting rid of any one of uh, them. That's true. It's a bad choice on all of our parts with this one. At least I didn't say McDavid, though, right? Guys, come on. Who would have said that? Uh, while Curbs is looking this one up, T-Bone, we'll start with you. One's got to go. Christmas movie edition. And we oh, all know how much boy. T-Bone loves Christmas. 
Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, Scrooged, or Jingle All the Way. So you got Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, Scrooged, or Jingle All the Way. One Wait, has to go. Which one's Jingled All the Way again? That's Arnold Schwarzenegger. The oh, yeah, okay. yeah. That's it. Gone. That's it for me, too. If, you yeah. have, if we had to ask which one is that, because I was right there with you, Tanner, that makes it easy, doesn't it? That one, yeah. I, I, and I honestly am not that big a fan of Scrooge either, but Jingle All the Way, nah, sorry. Can't you know, do Scro- it. Scrooge is one of those movies that it's, it's, it's like a cult classic. Like, if you like it, you're going to like it. If, if you're you don't a Bill like Murray it, fan, you're going to like it. That's it's like the an only Adam Sandler reason I watch fan it. or a Will Ferrell fan. That's the only reason right. I watch it, but it is hilarious. Jingle all the way, though. I watched this the other night because it was on Hulu, and I was trying to get my daughter distracted by something other than Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I turned it on. About 10 minutes through, and I'm like, this is awful. This is a terrible Come movie. Inside, it's fun inside. Oh, it's the Mickey Mouse <laughs> Curves. Clubhouse. Curves. You got to understand something. That's all I know. That's all I sing. It's now that just I'll clip. over I'll and clip over him that. and over and over. It's bad. So is Jingle all the way. That one's got to go. Curbs, a blues game day tradition. One has to go. The Towel Man, the Country Road Sing-Along, the Goal Horn, or the Power Play Dance. I know your answer on this Whoa, one. Oh, I got two that are real close. <laughs> I know your answer on this uh, one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going Country Roads. What? Get rid of that one. Yep. 100% you get rid of Country Roads yeah. here. Oh, shot. Absolutely. What are you talking about, Tanner? That's a great song. I don't. I, it's a listen, great song. I'm you, a John Denver fan. I like a lot of John Denver songs. I don't. I for me personally, if you're asking me, I don't like where it is in the game. I've said that before. I'd rather see it earlier. I want some serious pump music and other yeah. stuff going there. Tanner, how can you get excited for a hockey game my, in the third period with five minutes to my go? Favorite, my favorite line, though. I, I had somebody from Canada say, hey, how come they keep playing that song? We're not close to West Virginia, <laughs> We're near we? West Virginia. Oh, oh, brother, you could have looked that up before you asked that question. Tanner, explain to me how you can get excited in the third period when you're down by a goal and there's five minutes to go and you hear Country Road. Because it's one like the, a oh, random karaoke session just breaks out and I get to sing one of the bon best songs Jovi ever. Living on a prayer. I like yeah, that well. one better. Like, I'd rather have it be John Bon Jovi living Wouldn't on a prayer. Wouldn't you be rather living on a prayer for that game? And I'm a John fan, by the way. Yeah. I own the Muppet Christmas album. Now, <laughs> that, that's got to stay. We're keeping that. <laughs> right, which one are you getting rid of? Are you getting rid of the power play dance? No, I kind of enjoy the power play dance. Goal. You're getting rid of a goal horn or a 20-something year tradition, 25 of I'm Towel keeping Towel Man. I'll, I'll get rid of the goal horn, I guess. What I like all four of these. What are you going to put on the goal horn for? What are you going to put on the goal horn? I don't know. I, I would love, how about Dumb. we have everybody have their own goal horn? How's that sound? What? Everyone does have their own goal horn. Oh, do they? I have... Yeah. And the Blues have theirs. No, oh. I mean, I mean, each player oh, has their own individual player. one. Yeah. yeah. You like, you like other people singing Country Road so much, you'd get rid of a goal horn. Yeah. T-bone. Yeah. T-bone. Well, it's not just that everybody else is singing it. I get to sing it. And as Friar clearly pointed out. If let's, I'm going to just hear some vocals, of it. How do you sing? Let me, let me hear it. Well, no, no, no. I, I need the music. I don't have it ready right <laughs> you now. Pull it off your top of your head? No, I have to have the lyrics to go with it. So I don't know the lyrics. So wait a minute. You're trying to keep Country something road, you don't even know the lyrics to? Home to the place I belong, West Virginia. What when I hear this song, it's easier he's, he's for me to He's doing the go. Shania Twain version. He's talking through it. Someone texted in and said, this song's about taking us home, baby. I yeah. know. But it's not good. And the rules of the game were I had to pick one to get rid of. And we got rid of the best option here. No, we didn't. We okay. didn't get rid of the best All option. All right. From the 636, one's got to go. Speed limits, traffic stops, or stop signs. 
Speed limits. Hey, man. Tra well, traffic stop. What do they mean by so traffic I think stop? Traffic wait a minute. Wait. I think traffic signals like the oh. like red lights. No, we need, lights, we need lights. signals and stop signs at intersections so nobody gets T-boned. Sorry to use your nickname there, brother. <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> on this show, there's only a certain amount of T-boning. The um, oh. uh, So I would, no, you got to, yeah, get rid of the speed limits. Well, they're gone anyway now, aren't they? <laughs> Are they gone? <laughs> are they not? I mean, so, they kind of wrong are. To say? No, they kind of are. Is that, is that wrong to say? T-Bone? I think I'm with you. I think I'd get our speed limits. T-Bone, do you I drive slow I, like a grandma? No. Okay. No. In fact, slow would probably be the number I see on the sign, in my someone, opinion. Someone texted in and said, we're actually singing the song to the players. I don't think the players like it either. Kind of soothing and relaxing for the final five. <laughs> no, it's, you don't want to be soothed and relaxed in the third We're period. We're giving them scoring it's chances. Let's put the general manager just said at 11 o'clock this morning. <laughs> he didn't you know why? The song? Because they're he, they're getting lulled to sleep by John Denver in the third period. Yeah, I think I bet you Army sings in the press box. Now, okay, here's the question though: Would would, would you feel differently if it was something like like like? Uh, um, like, thank God I'm a country boy. Would you rather have that one sung? If no. you picked a different John Denver song to be sung, I need an excitement. It's not going to be Shanghai Breezes. I don't know what that song. See, I know. Yeah, yeah so you went too deep. You went, you went into I'm the heavy. Just, oh, well, I'm a John. I told you, I'm a John you went Denver into fan. Deep tracks. Oh, of it's John a very well-known John Denver look, song. If they, it's not a deep track. Look, if they play Britney Spears, "Oops, I Did It Again," I'd be on board with that because it's an upbeat song. No, hell no. Shania Twain's "Man, I Feel Like a Woman." Why no. not? You can sing along with that <laughs> That's one. The one every guy sings. <laughs> you can sing along to that one. Okay, uh, last one before we cross things over. Uh, Christmas music edition. One has to go. I want a hippopotamus. I'm for telling Christmas. you right now, it's 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 Mariah Carey's song. Is oh, that on the for, option? It wasn't on the oh, option. Crap. All Sorry, right. you got it. That one's the goat, so you can't get rid of it. Apparently. Jesus, get All rid of that <laughs> song. Like like. Want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Merry Christmas, darling, from the Carpenters. Ooh, Frosty or Rudolph? Well, obviously, Frosty and Rudolph aren't going anywhere. I'll tell you, I'll start this one off. It's Merry Christmas, darling, by the Carpenters. I hate everything about the Carpenters' music, and I don't know really? why. Why? I don't, I don't like the harmony. One. I don't like the harmony. The, 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 the voice just bothers the hell out of me for some reason. What was the first one? Uh, it was the I Want a Hippopotamus, the song T-Bone uh, played. No, I'll keep the, I'll, uh, we're going to keep it. At this show right now, we're keeping everything Hippopotamus. <laughs> Especially in the last so hour just, like, or so. Adopt hippopotamuses? Is that what we're just going to go with here? <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I think that BK and Ferrario should adopt a hippopotamus at the St. Louis Zoo. I'm down with that. I've adopted a, a penguin, a polar bear, and a cheetah in the last three well, years. Well, now you need a water animal that can run on land, too. Get a hippo. We'll name him T-Bone. Oh, whoa. Don't there you go. Get a hippo. Name a hippo <laughs> T-Bone and adopt him at the St. Louis Zoo. And fans of BK and Ferrari will help feed it. And then when curbs are tires, he'll come brush my teeth. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> this, this segment went way off the rails. Now we got a hippo named T-Bone, probably the favorite of the show. Let's cross things over with a fast lane. A lot of people still are not happy with the country roads. Tanner, you might have made the worst pick on One's Gotta Go in the history of One's yeah, Gotta Go. Not true. Crossing it over next year on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Big 
thank you once again to Chris Kerber for helping us out today while BK is out. Don't forget, if you want more Chris Kerber, well, you get it tomorrow from 1 to 3 o'clock. It's the release of Curbside Select at Randall's Wines and Spirits, located at 14201 Manchester Road in West County. Randall's and Curbs have teamed up with the Buffalo Trace for a special single-barrel release. All bottles of Curbside Select will be released this Saturday starting at 1 o'clock, going until 3 o'clock. Find more details on this Curbside Select release event on Saturday with Curbs, Buffalo Trace, Randall's Wines and Spirits now over at 101ESPN.com. As we cross things over with everyone's favorite former superstar NHL defenseman, Jamie Rivers getting set for the fast lane tonight. Rivers, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'd be a lot better once I get some of that Buffalo Trace. I'll tell you that much. Well, we're going to find a way to make that happen. Listen, Jamie, I have to ask you this uh, because I I know that there's no shot with Alex and Tanner of even knowing who the heck this is. But um, we've actually today lost two big-time people in both the sports and, and the entertainment industry. Al Unser Sr. passed away. Oh, boy. And, yeah, that that's a big one. I remember, I mean, you remember watching the Indianapolis 500 when it was in its heyday with with Al Unser Sr. and Mario Andretti and, and the greats. And then Michael Nesmith, the lead singer and the guitarist for the Monkees, passed away. So oh, Mickey Dolenz is the only Monkees left. You know, Hey, hey, Peter, we're the Monkees. Yeah. Monkeying yeah. around. Yeah. People say, like, th- these two guys didn't know, wouldn't know who those were. Oh, so I know I, the monkeys. I, I saved it for you. I remember I watching the TV you. show with the monkeys on there. Those guys were great. They they became an absolute sensation because of that TV show. You yep. want my connection with all of this? Mickey Dolenz was on Boy Meets World, and I used to watch that when I was a kid. Was well, uh-huh. he really? Yeah. Good job, Alex. See, well now, now, now I feel a part me. of this conversation. I was, an usher, I was an usher at the Muni when Davy Jones was performing in the musical Oliver. Oh my so, goodness! So we got to meet him. We got to meet him. Did you go there. check out his locker? And so, no, no, nah, different Davy Jones. Oh, okay. Different Davy Jones. That was this a good one, da- that was a good this dad one joke. was a singer and a performer. That one is a dead pirate. <laughs> it was Slight a good, difference. It was yes. a good dad joke, though. I thought ribs. <laughs> sure, sure, Alex. You keep swinging away. <laughs> what do you guys got coming up today on the fast lane, buddy? Well, we got uh, little Ozzy coming on. We got Nathan Walker that's going to join us today. We're going to talk nice. about uh, his three goals last night and just uh, a little bit about the St. Louis Blues. Obviously, going through some crazy times with injuries and COVID, and then they're still winning and they're playing great at home. So, a lot of positives to talk about regarding the St. Louis Blues. We're going to dive into that. Still my favorite interview with Nathan Walker two years ago on Cup of Joe on our broadcast. Joe Vitale opened up the interview and said, Nathan, I'm sure the ladies are always uh, dogging you for how great that voice is. They're probably all over you 24-7. He goes, Joe, I'm married. (laughs) <laughs> phenomenal well, at least, interview at least one lady is <laughs> at least yeah. yeah phenomenal jamie have fun on the fast lane today curbs thank you so much you got it tanner great job back in the studio we will talk to you on sunday blues well i'll talk to you on sunday randy character will talk to you uh tomorrow blues and canadians starting at five o'clock with our first community credit union pregame the fast lane is next here on 101 espn i cannot imagine how bad the breath of that hippopotamus must be Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today.